Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, oh, God, is it really around so soon? The answer is, yes, it is. Is Cliff Richard going to the... Is he going to the Commons today? Is he going to speak to MPs? This should be an interesting one. Is it the Lords? Anyway, whatever he is, he's doing it, and uh, we wish him well in that one. Uh, Trendy water from Coke is no better than normal water. I thought it had irons in it, or they've done something... They said it's the same as tap water, which is a terribly expensive, but I do like the bottles. That's that smart water. Have you seen it? It's, it's, if you check carefully, you'll see, made by Coca-Cola. Uh, the Calais boy who made little Lily Allen cry is the son of a former ISIS fighter. Well, perhaps you'll invite the whole family in to come and stay with you, Lily. You won't, of course, will you? And can you believe that there is somebody so stupid whose daughter does not get a birthday party invite, so the mother phoned a bomb hoax in? I mean... Stupid or dumb or a combination of both. Um, is Cheryl planning wedding number three? You have to ask yourself the question, don't you, really, with sort of Cheryl? I think she's flawed. She's only 31, isn't she? 32, something like that. And already we're on marriage number three. Not really. But where she comes from, that's kind of normal. Only it's unusual to actually get the, the marriage bit in. Uh, Anthea's ex, that's Grant Bovey. What a waste of space he turns out to be. Uh, he loses even more cash this year. Another one of his companies. But apparently it's completely solvent, he said. That was after the last one. Went spectacularly belly up. Uh, the family dubbed the thickest in the UK. Uh, Nick Knowles hits back at Gemma Oten. About time. She said, I want to put the record straight. And we're all thinking, oh, God in heaven, honestly. I, I did say at the time, Nick, avoid her like the plague. She sells stories. She sells stories to the papers. Um, I want the question time job, says Paxman. No, not really. I think you, you enjoy your, your retirement. I think better, actually, there. Uh, Debbie's despair over the Paul Daniels will row. This is, this is the one that went from yesterday on the programme. The, uh, the son, one of the sons. There's Martin P. Daniels, and then there's Paul Daniels Jr. And he said, I didn't get any money for my father's will. Why should you? Why should you? What a disgraceful state of affairs when he's sort of hounding Debbie McGee. And, uh, you know, because he wants some of his father's money. Why, sh- why should you have any at all? Work for it. Like everybody else has to work for it. I remember my mother sitting there, and I've told this story before. She, she worked out exactly, you know, she knew what, uh, what her, her property was worth. And she knew, you know, exactly how much money she had in the bank. And so we just split it down the middle. It was as simple as that. She knew exactly what it was. But I said to her, listen, given the choice, I'd rather have you than have the money. I'm not bothered about the money. I'm not bothered. I always, I always had more money than my mother anyway. Always earned more money than my mother. And, and always had, you know, everything better because she came from a different generation. I was in a business that happened to pay sort of really good money. So, you know, I said, I don't need your money. I really didn't need it, so it's, you know... But I had it, because that's what she wanted. That was part of her last will. And presumably, Paul Daniel's last will and testament was don't give his son anything. Absolutely nothing. Why would you want to? He was obviously quite right. Look how nasty he's turned out to be. The names he was calling Debbie McGee the other day. I mean, small... I shouldn't imagine they'll be having a conversation any time soon. Oh, blimey. Drives you mad. Uh, please blame victims for being burgled. And how many people claim to have seen Madeleine McCann? 9,000. Right, so that's either 9,000 bewildered doolally crackpots or people who genuinely are blind as a blooming bat. 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. So yesterday, I was, I was quite tired, actually. I've decided uh, uh, 
uh, I decided, I, I sort of came in here, I had to go to my brother's because it was his girlfriend's son's birthday. And so they booked a table in uh, in a, a most unusual place. <laughs> I won't tell you where it is, it identifies it. But it was very nice. And there were 16 of us, which was great. So we go down there and um, and we have lunch, which was a carvery. So you can have a choice of, I think it's 12 quid or something, for two meats. Or you can pay uh, £10 something for one meat. So you get, it's, it's all a bit bizarre. So you can either have beef and pork or beef and lamb or beef and crackling, all this. And it comes with roast potatoes, a giant Yorkshire pudding and, and all the bits and pieces. So, I mean, we actually think it's quite good value. And for 16, obviously, we had a really, really nice time. So that was that. So, and then I left there at about... <sighs> Quarter past four. Go back to my brother's place, and because that's where I'd left the car, and I then pootled down the motorway. And I'd, I'd been to the toilet before I left, which I thought was actually very wise of me, because unfortunately, at the age I am now, it goes through you like a dose of salt. And I always keep water in the front of the car, full to myself, because I'm drinking it, and it's because I like cold water, and it was cold water in the car, and it was delicious. And I'm pootling down the motorway, and I get cars coming up behind me. People tailgate. So I, I frighten them. I just lightly touch the brake. They don't do it again. And I had this old man behind me in a little piddly car, and he was determined to try and get past come hell or high water. It always strikes me as hilarious, because what I do is I let them sort of try and nip it, and then I put the foot down. You know, I really annoy them as much as I possibly can, because luckily I've got really, really fast acceleration. It's, uh, it's, it's a, a chain accelerator. Don't ask me to explain it, I don't know. But it's, it's very fast. Literally, you touch the accelerator, this thing rockets off. It's very fast. So, um, so he, he's sort of playing catch-up with himself. I thought, you're heading for a disaster. And, and then I thought, oh, God, I need the toilet. It doesn't matter, because I'm bombing down the motorway. We're going really fast, it's lovely. And I'm sort of 70 miles an hour. I can't go any more than 70 miles an hour. Well, I can... But uh, the reason you don't is because the car makes a noise. It beep, 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 beep. If you, if you touch over 70, it's built in to let you know. I'm just watching people in Calais throwing down logs in the middle of the road to disrupt trucks and everything else. I don't think we want these people here. Thank you very much indeed. Anyway, so I'm bombing down the motor and I think, oh, great. And all of a sudden it starts slowing down a bit. Oh, no, no, no. It'll just be something silly. It'll like, build up a traffic on a slip road. Nope. It was an accident. It was an accident. And uh, I couldn't see the accident. And we slow down and we're now crawling. And I now want to go to the toilet. And in fact, the more you think about going to the toilet, the more you want to go to the toilet. So I'm sitting in the car and I'm trying to work out if, if I inched forward on the seat, if I could wee into a water bottle. And then I thought, if there was a lorry that was passing me very slowly, he'd be seeing me weeing into a water bottle. So I decided against that. Then I'm thinking, I can't, there's nowhere to pull off the road. I can't do it. Perhaps I could leave the car on the road, run over the other carriageway, have a wee behind a pillar and run back again. I thought, I can't do that either. So I'm kind of sitting in the car and you know what it's like. You're, you're trying desperately not to sort of think, you think about anything else apart from running water, waterfalls, toilets flushing, all that kind of, I was trying not to think about it. And uh, then we had a couple of ambulances go past. I'm thinking, oh God, there's going to be some idiot who's gone too fast and uh, it'll be an accident further up ahead. Nothing prepared me for what the accident was. They had f- three ambulances up there. There were police cars and everything else. And what was it? It was people who were tailgating. You knew they were tailgating because they were obviously too close to the car in front. Because, count them, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight cars were lined up. 
eight cars. Each one had smashed into the back of the one in front. They were too close. Amateur drivers. Very lucky somebody wasn't dead. Very lucky somebody wasn't dead. But it completely screwed up my uh, my enjoyment of the motorway. Because I quite enjoy motorway driving. It's a bit bland and boring. But if you've got your music, you're, you're fine. And um, so we sort of... Everybody's looking at it going, well, there but for the grace of God go I. And they're all standing there, you know, by the, by the lay-by thing. Looking all a bit sort of shocked and everything else. I thought, well, you shouldn't have been going so fast. Because if you go into the back of the car in front, that's your fault. So literally, systematically, one went into the back of the next one, went to the back of the next one, and it just snowballed and the effect was there. By this time, and so all of a sudden we get past it and I've got a clear motorway. I'm off. I'm like an Exocet rocket. And now it's the longest journey between where the accident was and Sunbury. And I am bursting. By this time, I'm going, I'm really going to be ill in a minute. The sweat's pouring off me. I've got to, I've just got to, where, where, where? Lay-by, lay-by. Thank God, lay-by. Pull into lay-by, jump out the car. By this time, I'm thinking, oh, God, I've really got to go very soon, very soon. And so I started going, and then some, on a bicycle goes past me. Of course, you have to stop. You have to stop, don't you, and sort of look the other way and pretend you're not actually having a wee by the side of the car. (laughs) And in the end, I did, I did get my wee. But, oh, tell you, the blessed relief. The blessed relief of that way. And all because of that. I'd have, I'd have been fine. I'd have been absolutely fine if it had not been for these stupid people and their accident. Ridiculous. Uh, Johnny says, we've decided, and this is, uh, this is for all of you today. He says, we've decided not to have fireworks this year. We're going to have indoor fireworks, which is lovely. He said, everybody's going to charge their Samsung Note 7 phones at the same time. There you go. You've got your own firework display. They must be absolutely bricking it, mustn't they, over at Samsung? Nobody's buying Samsungs. Now that they've started banning them on flights, one, one company started doing it in America. Now all the companies are doing it, I believe. They're all saying you're not bringing a Samsung 7 Note phone onto the planes. You can't even check them in. As, uh, as They don't want them. They don't want them on the plane. These things, you could die. Dreadful, isn't it? Absolutely dreadful. Um... What else we got today? What else we got? We take all your texts and emails. As I say, I, I sort of meander through them uh, as uh, as one is supposed to. And uh, another one here. Uh, Adore Nick Abbott, Katie Hopkins. Katie Hopkins was on fire the other day, wasn't she? Oh, my God, was she on fire. She was defending uh, Ched Evans. She was trying to explain to people, you know, exactly why, you know, he sort of got his comeuppance and that he was innocent, but not innocent because he wasn't guilty. It was innocent because of uh, of the insufficient evidence. And then somebody else was came on and explained. Said, anyway, whatever it was, it was it was very interesting, very very interesting. And um, uh, yes, Grace, all of them, every single one of them. Get people talking, won't they? Actually, I was like things like that. Uh, celebs are running scared from the jump, only because a there aren't any celebs. And secondly, they've all been injured. You know about Sarah Harding because she's dragged hers out for eternity. And, uh, and they're all saying, no, nobody wants to go on to, uh, onto the jump because uh, you, 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 you get accidents. So, in fact, wait till you see the new lineup of people because it, it will be really, really sad to see the people who are so desperate for the money that they will, uh, they will have to put themselves forward for the jump because there isn't any other work. I was watching... What did I watch the other day? Oh, it was the new Towie. Have you seen it? God, they're so old. I love the way... Poor old Arge. <laughs> Little bit of Colombian. And uh, Arge was old there as well. Uh, Lydia, who trowels on the makeup like she's some Thai ladyboy. 
and uh, and all the other ones. And one of them was sitting there. I think her name's Megan. And Megan's like going out with Pete, and she had her friend Danny. And Danny's like real thick. Danny is like super thick. And and she and and Megan was sitting there going like you know. And because I checked on his phone, and he's like he's been texting all these other girls, and they're all ugly. And Danny's going no. He mugged you off, and you've been really brave about it and didn't know nothing. You didn't know nothing about it at all. And they're having this conversation. It's like listening to two three-year-olds attempting to find words. And they couldn't... And you but really brave, goes Danny. Danny also is not very successful with men either. And uh, Megan... And then, and then, and then the bloke in question comes into view. He's the one with the little girly knot on top of his head and the tattoos just about everywhere. He looks like he's wandered out of the Flintstones. And he's like, you know, let me explain to you, babe. Let me explain to you, babe. Oh, there's hilarious. Their their conversation is absolutely priceless. And she's going like, yeah, because yeah, because you cheated. He said, I never slept with them. He said, I I just had conversation with them and all that kind of stuff. She said, but they was all ugly. They was all ugly. They were all ugly. What's the matter with these people? Why can't they speak properly? Anyway, Bimbo's United on the programme. And then at one point, Arge pretends he's the same age as all the other five-year-olds on the programme. And he's going like, you know, come on, boys, because we're going to do this. Because he thinks he's really great, whereas we all think he's the biggest buffoon going. It's a bit embarrassing to watch. And then we had Lauren Goodyear. And again, so Lauren's like, yeah, because, like, you know, I can give you, like, you know, advice on, like, you know, things like what to do with sort of boyfriend. Lauren, who couldn't get over Mark Wright for about five years, poor soul. She couldn't believe that a fat lump like her was dumped on the doorstep. And they, and they just, that's all it is. All they're talking about is sleeping with each other and who's actually not sleeping with somebody and why you're mugging me up. Mugging me off is the latest phrase. I'm using it all the time. You're mugging me off. I love it. I love it. I'm going to weave it into a conversation with my bank, my, my bank manager later on. You're mugging me off, babes. You are. You're mugging me off. That's what I like. But it was, it was so interesting to see that not only have the TOWIE cast aged, but badly. That kind of pleased me an awful lot. But it was when we saw little Arge there, you know, the little one who just can't keep away from forbidden fruit, can he? But he seems to think, because he doesn't do anything, he doesn't actually have any talent, like, like all of them. Diags was on there. That's the one who looks like, seriously, I mean, there's some really skin problems going on with that one. I don't know what's happening there. It's like you could join the dots and make a more interesting face, I thought. But Diags was on. They all, they were all like, all right, mates, and we're all sort of bonding together. I don't think any of them talk to each other outside of the programme, because it's fake. They're all faked you know, things like that. But, um, it's, you know, what can you do about it? What can you do? But then I did actually, just to cheer myself up, I did go onto the, onto, onto the YouTube this morning to watch Bross interviews. You know, because Bross, because, yeah, because we, like, love you. Because they've got unusually high-pitched voices for men. And uh, there they were, both were, with their bleach blonde hair, looking very, very pretty. And, yeah, Bross, love you. Thanks, mate. Cheers. Because they're a bit like that. And, um, and, the, the, and then I saw them on Jonathan Ross... It was a slightly turgid interview, it has to be said. Whereas poor, poor Luke looks like he's wandered into a vat of treacle and slow right down. Because they're coming up to 50. I think they're about 48. Whereas, and Matt still wears the, what I call the very gay clothes, which is sort of bright showbizy stuff. Whereas his brother just kind of like dresses down normally. But Matt thinks he's in show business, even though he's, he's not worked Vegas for a little while now. And, uh, and then and he, he, he's sort of... The trouble is, I th- always thought they had inflated egos. Watch the interviews. They're very telling. They're very interesting, the interviews. The, the, the one on Jonathan Ross was very interesting uh, because, unfortunately, they got stuck with Russell Brand, who sort of pretended he was a third member of Bross. And um, because they sold out in seven seconds. No, they didn't. 
I can't, it's not physically possible to sell out in seven seconds. So we'll wait and see how many swathes of seats are empty and just how many dreary songs they're going to drag up. Because at some point, Matt, I'm assuming it stands for Matthew, is going to come to the front of the stage and go, When will I, will I be famous? Because he won't be able to hit any of the notes. And, and he'll sort of lean forward, and the crowd will be there on their Zimmer frames. There'll be a lot of nurses on standby. There'll be a lot of ambulances outside. There will be a lot of damp seats. I mean, I'm expecting this quite normally. It's the O2. It's Bross. They've not been there for 30 years. I'm hoping that Luke's drumming is up to standard, but we still ask that big question. What has Matt stuck on his head? It cannot be hair. It's quite clearly a machine that dispenses flock. And you go, like that, and then they tease it into shape. Because Luke is as bald as a coot. And they're twins. I'm assuming they're identical twins. Yes, they are. So why has Matt got this funny hair on his head? Doesn't quite work out, does it? But anyway, they, they, they've, got, uh, they've got quite a number of, uh, of gigs coming up. And um, we'll wait and see what happens. But judging by the interviews, and the interview with, with Jonathan Ross was not the best interview I've ever seen. It's, it's sort of, there's sort of... They, they, oh, how can I put this without making it sound rude? They come over as a bit dim. You know, at one point, Luke was saying, and I like Luke, um, he was sort of saying, you know, we had, I had to find myself to find out what... And I thought, what do you mean find yourself? That was the old Kenny Everett gag, wasn't it? Where Willie Rushton's sitting there and he goes, I don't know who I am. And Kenny gets a mirror out and shows him. He says, that's you. That's you there. And that's exactly the image that I got from Bross. It was sort of... It's a case of, you know, if you watch the interview that Terry Wogan did with them, he actually says at the end, thank you to the Bross. Thank you to the Bross. But the interview is a bit token. But he does ask questions like, what happens when, when it all finishes? You know, and I'm, I, don't, I don't know whether this is a comeback. I, I don't think so. I don't think so. Anyway, look, I'm really late. I'm saying, it's you, you've made me late. Made me late this morning. So I'll tell you now, it's 20... If I was in Towie, this would take forever. 20... Is, that, is, is the four... Uh, I'll, I'll, Joey... Joey, what is the time? Oh, he don't know, does he? 21 minutes past... Is that four? Yeah. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. Welcome to Monday. Love Monday. Love Monday. Such a nice day. Also, this week, uh, I've only got two interviews to do tomorrow. I think... Is it tomorrow? I'll have to check, actually, now. I can't remember. But um, it's, it's a really light week, which is great. We've got loads stockpiled, as you know. So I'm just having a quick check, actually, when the uh, when the interviews are. Uh, oh, yes. Otis and Duke on Tuesday. That's Otis uh, from uh, the Four Tops. No, Duke, is it Duke from the Four Tops? One from the Temptations. One of them, anyway. Original members of the Temptations and the Four Tops. They're touring, as you know. And this is their, uh, their, their busy week. And then we're going to rearrange Joe Malone, because she's very tired at the moment. So we're going to rearrange Joe Malone. So Otis and Duke. Was Otis in Four Tops? Was it? I can't remember who was in which group now. Isn't that terrible? I should know these sort of things. But uh, until I sort of bring myself up to speed with... Duke was in the Four Tops. And so Otis was in... There you go. Duke. Uh, Abdul. So what's that singer? 1953 he was born. Oh, good Lord. Good Lord. 1930. Oh, sorry. He's 80. Good God, he's 80. Blimey. He's the only surviving original member of the Four Tops. The only original surviving member. How cool is that? How cool is that, my God? You're sweet. And the hun- I love that. Abdul Duke Fakir. 
Lovely. Very nice indeed. And so the other one, well, he must be similar age, actually. Otis must be... He's 74! He's the... Uh, he's best known as the founder and last original surviving member of The Temptations. Isn't that fantastic? Oh, I'm looking forward to this. Looking forward to these interviews. That'll be tomorrow. And uh, I think we're going to be running it this week. We'll have to run it this weekend because they're on uh, this week and I think into a little bit of next week. So that'll be nice. Very nice indeed. Uh, Alan Carr, chatty man. Uh, Channel 4, uh, so I read last week, have decided to axe his show. I don't know why. I mean, I don't know what the ratings are. There's always got to be a reason for something. It's either poor ratings or they just think it's run its course. Because I thought that they they moved it a short while ago, didn't they? They moved it, I'm sure, from Saturday to a Thursday or something. Whatever it was, I always think that once they move something, that's that's bad news. I always think that means it's a slippery slope. And uh, perhaps they couldn't get any uh, any sort of guests. Perhaps they were running out of guests. I mean, some of them were a bit naff, it has to be said. Uh, Saturday's chat was superb, says Martin from Old Coulston. And uh, somebody's just had to stop at a lay-by on the A13. He just reminded me I needed to go. Is it dreadful, honestly, when we wee outside? I mean, it really is. But, I mean, uh, being diabetic, I can't hold it in at all. I'm terrible. Getting worse and worse. Nug- uh, Nugamanchetti kicked out of um, Strictly. Uh, the reason she was kicked out, according to the uh, according to the uh, the papers, is it's racist. Uh, no, it's the fact she was blooming useless. <laughs> she was blooming useless. I thought she was going to be useless to start with. She's she's a little bit too desperado, little bit too desperado, desperate to be sort of noticed. So she's the fourth non-celebrity to be kicked out for for not being able to dance. Uh, the divorce uh, very soon. They think for, for Cheryl and planning wedding number three with a child. He's only 22, mentally, about 14. And he's going, well, I am. I've been uh, I'm the old rumpy pumpy with this. Everybody's going, oh, lucky old you. And he's going, no, no, it's not lucky at all. Unfortunately, she's pregnant. She told me she was on the pill. <laughs> so she says, you can have a child. That'll be exciting. You've got Babby. And uh, then her mother can come round and babysit. That'll be lovely, won't it? And then they can continue their sort of showbiz lifestyle which, of course, doesn't really exist, only in their minds. I suspect they, they probably sit in most nights. Then occasionally she says, why, I want to go out for a pizza. And he goes, a pizza? What, sit down? A sit-down meal? I don't know what he sounds like. I've never heard him talk, actually. I've never heard him sing either, so there's, uh, there's the lesser of two evils. And then in the end, they just go and sit in the car with a kebab, don't they? Staring through the, the misted-up windscreen. And people go, why, I? it's Cheryl. Cheryl's having a kebab with little Liam. But uh, they might be planning wedding number three. That would be a very bad idea for him. He's only, as I say, 12. It would be quite ridiculous, wouldn't it? Quite ridiculous. Apparently, a spending a penny, you can buy a portable urinal that empties out for a few quid from a home shopping catalogue. You can keep it in the car. Oh, God, that's the end of the road, isn't it? You've actually got a portable urinal in the car. Good God, I don't want that. I'd rather wee in a lay-by. Dreadful. Uh, 84850, steve at uk. Every single thing read out on the programme. Uh, which is good. Somebody else saying about Naga Manchetti, she couldn't dance. No, she uh, she absolutely couldn't dance, I'm afraid. Ed Balls looked like a sack of uh, potatoes. But they keep him in there because he's sort of novelty value. The whole thing, it's just, it's a programme. It's a programme on the television. Don't don't sort of worry about it. It's just a programme. Uh, what else we got here? Very, oh, wrong thing, actually. Pushed the wrong button. I'm always doing that, actually. Did that the other day. I fancy arguing... Over a dead man's goods. Discuss it. People, listen, if there's money involved, people argue over it. People argue. You know, people, you know, if ever there is a, a reasonable amount of money, Debbie McGee's in one of the papers today. I think it's in the, uh, the mail. I don't know if she's given an interview, but I, I think she's despairing 
over his will row because after they paid off the uh, the debts, I think there was five hundred thousand pound left, give or take, whatever that you know, whatever that means. Yeah, but to be honest with you, I think it's a bit embarrassing. It's nothing to do with us. Nobody asked me how much I've got in my bank account. I wouldn't tell you anyway. But you know, in between my investments and property and car and more investments and things like that, you know, I'm not doing too badly, thank you. You know, I, 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 I can survive. I can survive. Just. First I was afraid, I was petrified, and then... Oh, it doesn't matter. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. Welcome to Monday morning. Come on. Up, 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 up. All right, go back to bed again. Actually, I climbed into bed yesterday I got, because I didn't get back till late, having sort of, uh, sort of survived the accident, which we all had to... It just slowed everybody right down, and it was, it was just a little bit... People swap lanes. I was swapping lanes as well. Because you see a lane working quicker, and once you see where the accident is, you then know which lane you've got to get into so you can get past it quickly. And so I managed to do that, and I got in. Luckily, I managed to force down a glass of Prosecco, which was quite nice. Watched a little bit of telly. Climbed into bed at 7, which is a late night for me. I mean, that really is. On a school day... On a school day, it's very late for me, and uh, and I was out for the count. Next thing I did, I wake up, and I look at the clock, and it says half past twelve, so I got up. Half past twelve, had myself a cup of coffee, and uh, and I've got alarms all over the place, just in case I fall asleep, just in case, inadvertently, sitting in front of the television watching some terribly tedious programmes, I then fall asleep, and I try not to. I try not to, and I, I haven't actually fallen asleep up until now, because if, if I do feel myself going, I kind of get up, quickly and get into the bathroom lest I sort of kind of collapse so uh, it's all nice and then as soon as the um, as soon as the uh, the car arrives that's it I sit in the back and I, I check all the news things you know think just in case somebody's died and um, all the some fascinating thing like you know they've sort of discovered you know somebody's that something something's happened in the ocean and the Titanic has bobbed up to the surface you know with people waving wildly hello hello we've been stuck down there the time bubble which would be nice. And um, and so I sort of... And then I thought, I've got such a lazy day today. But what did I forget to do on Saturday? I forgot to go and get my blasted tablets from the chemist. Which is really annoying because uh, luckily I've only got enough tablets for today. So I've got to, when I get home, go to the chemist to go get my tablets. Otherwise you have a, you have a dreadfully odd programme. Very, very strange programme. Uh, so Vivian Westwood says, uh, don't have kids if you don't have time for them. Seems perfectly sensible. It's about the most sensible thing she's ever said. Um... Uh, so, just when were you offered that peerage? MPs were asking that uh, Shami Chakrabarti person. They don't like her, you know. Nobody likes her. She's she's a little bit. There's something about her. Don't know what it is. Can't put my finger on it. Cannot. But I'm generally right on most things. Malcolm says when the acts on the X Factor are whittled down to the bottom two, the judges have the final say. Why don't they make the judge who has mentored one of the two exempt from voting? It's obvious they'll want to keep their own act in the event of both acts being from the same mentor. That mentor usually refuses to vote anyway. I just think the whole thing's fiddled. It's fiddled because they're looking for somebody. You're not going to see that stupid woman who who attempts to rap appearing, you know, in a chart position any time soon. She's not going to be appearing on anything. She's a joke. That's why she's got her eyes covered up. Because somebody will be going, I know who she is. She's got that business down the road. She's an old fake. You know, because it's just ridiculous. But they're keeping her in there for novelty value. Because otherwise the British public would have got rid of her long before, wouldn't they? Long before anything like that ever happened. Uh, what else we got here? Let's try and find... Some, where's that gone to? Come back, come back, come back, come back. Sometimes, oh, that's better. I can see these things now. Wait a minute, let me just quickly... Every so often I get sort of things in, in the junk mail. And um, 
and it just it junks them. But then it, it gives me an opportunity to see what they are. But I've just sort of deleted everything, so I've got no idea. They all just disappear before me. And uh, barking. Learn to talk dog. Have you ever thought? Because dogs seem to understand us. So I wonder really whether or not. Anyway, Sarah Vine uh, went out there and could not believe uh, that she could talk dog. Sarah Jane Mee uh, begins as a sunrise anchor today. She takes over from uh, from Holmes. He'll be having a light. He will, of course, be wide awake. He will be wide awake. And um, he'll because that, because he's used to getting up at that time. It'll take years to get back to normality. Years and years and years. What did I watch the other day? What did I watch? Oh, it was the can't pay. We'll take it away. Oh, I love it. One bloke they actually turn up. What he'd done is he'd actually guaranteed a loan to somebody of sixty three thousand pounds. He was the guarantor. And of course, when the when the person defaulted and didn't pay, quite rightly, the person to whom he's owed the debt comes back to him. And uh, and so they turn up at the house and his uh, his girlfriend, wife, I don't know who she is. She answered the the door and um, and so he said, oh, hello, my name is Brian or whatever it was. I'm a high court enforcer. Uh, is Mr. So-and-so in? No, no, he's, he's not. He's out at the moment. Could you phone him and tell him that uh, that we're here? Yes. Could you go out of my house, please? No. Sorry. No, we're not going out of your house. As a high court enforcer, they have the right to be in that house. And so she phones up this uh, this bloke and she says, uh, there's a high court enforcer here and he's not leaving my house. And then she starts a row with him and he goes, I'm a high court enforcer. I'm allowed to enter your, your property, which it, it turned out to be the other bloke's property and, uh, and hers. I think they might have had a joint thing. And he said, no, I'm allowed to enter it because I'm a high court enforcer. I'm not from round the corner, sweet pea. I'm from the high court, big boys court. OK, and uh, this man. Anyway, this this bloke turns up. And he says, uh, I've got a, a writ here for £63,000. And the bloke goes, well, I'm not, um, I'm not, uh, I, don't, I haven't got any money. And they, and they think that it'll go away. That's the funny thing. They think that it will go away. Very rarely does it. Very, only on very, very, very rare occasions. So he said, well, listen, he said, you better get some money today. He said, I'm looking for, you know, to take away some money today. I'm not, I'm not leaving without the money. And uh, and if you uh, if you don't come up with any money today, well, then we will start bankruptcy proceedings against you, in which case you lose your house. It's as simple as that. If you've got a property, you'll lose it and they'll take the money out of that. And you can whistle as far as they're concerned. They couldn't they couldn't care less. They really couldn't care less. And so eventually, after toing and froing backwards and forwards, you knew it was going to happen. He coughed up two and a half grand and he's now paying back, I think, 1500 quid a month or something. It's going to take him a long time, but eventually they do get it. Eventually they do get it. Uh, the Paul Daniels story is in quite a few of the papers. And trendy water from Coca-Cola is no better than tap water, does nothing for health. And so here it is. I mean, given the marketing, and I, I've I bought into it. I've really bought into it. I mean, absolutely bought into it. Because it's called, I think it's Glasso. Or Glaso or something like that. Anyway, whatever it is, it's smart water. So uh, what, what they have here... It's been remineralized with the electrolytes found in energy drinks. Promoted by Jennifer Aniston, launched in Britain two years ago, sells for 57p a bottle, and the rest. Anyway, the, the process, the production process, adds nothing whatsoever, according to the British Dietetic, Dietetic Association. The verdict will embarrass Coca-Cola, which had to withdraw its Dasani premium bottled water in 2004 after it was revealed to be simply filtered tap water from the main supply in Sidcup in Kent. 
In contrast, the glasso sold in Britain is taken from spring water, but with claims that's inspired by the clouds. The water, I'll tell you where it comes from, it's from Morpeth in Northumberland, and it's the same spring water sold as Abbey Well, which Coca-Cola boasts has been naturally filtered through water-bearing white sandstones for 3,000 years. To take on smart water status, however, it's evaporated to remove the naturally occurring minerals and impurities, then cooled in a way which separates the water molecules from other matter. It's then remineralized. blah de blah de blah de blah The term smart water applies... Uh, implies that it's either intelligent to drink it or it makes you more intelligent, though that's not an explicit claim made by Coca-Cola. But there's no indication it's wiser to drink this water. Uh, So the Morpeth factory produces more than 18,000 bottles of this water every hour. And the brand is worth 21.9 million. The total market for all bottled water in Britain is worth 2.1 billion. And so it's, it's just British spring water, so you can go and get it as Abbey Well. They just put it through a different... Same water... Same water. No no better than tap water, but I do like the bottle. See, I've got one here, which is still spring water. And they say, oh, this this goes, this is a charity bottle, actually. 100% of our profit funds water projects in Africa. But what, what's in it? Usual sort of things, calcium, potassium, sulphate, magnesium and everything else. But I don't know where it comes from. Here we go. Oh, it comes from Powys in Wales. But can you taste the difference? I mean, I've got, I've got this. Oh, wait a minute. Mm-mm. It just tastes like water to me. In fact, we have filtered water in our taps here. We've got these these smart taps where you push the you push the button and you get ice cold water. Push the other side of it and you get boiling hot water, so you can have your cup of tea and your cup of coffee. But uh, we do drink more water. I remember when the only thing that was available was Perrier. Perrier was the only mineral water. And then we discovered, surprise upon surprise, that in fact the uh, the fizz in Perrier was added. It was artificial. Sales of Perrier fell off overnight. People stopped buying it. They thought it was really trendy to drink this bottled natural mineral water kind of thing. And so nobody bothered. You go into anywhere now, every corner shop, every supermarket, anywhere where they sell, you know, Cokes and things like that, you will find a bewildering array of waters, you know, and they're cheap. You can go to Costco and buy a big case of smart water for about four quid, I think. But it's nice because it, you know why? Because it just looks clear and it looks as though it's, it's nice water. I, don't, I couldn't guess where it comes from. The fact it comes from Morpeth. Is, is nothing to do with me. I couldn't care less. I just quite like the taste of it. But as they say, it's no better for you than tap. But I never thought it was better for me. Any water's good for you. As long as you're drinking it, it's OK. So uh, I shall be drinking all my waters. And today I shall go out and get some more water. And I shall drink it. And I'll love every minute of it. You know, I, I even put filtered water, bottled water, in my hot water machine. Which seems a bit of a pointless exercise, doesn't it, really? But I I do it anyway because I'm a bit strange like that. So it doesn't do anything for your health at all, but water is good. So the more water you drink, the better you will be. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company. And um, somebody said 6.7 litres in a car. It's a very high-maintenance car. No wonder you put the top juice in the old girl. And, uh, yes, yes. But, I mean, you know, that's what they were talking about the other day, wasn't it? Um, James O'Brien was talking about 5Ps going on on petrol. And I said to somebody the other day, I said, it's not going to make any difference to me at all. You know, if it goes up 5P, I just don't take the car out as often. But I'm never going to, you know, even if it works out an extra tenner a week, that's not going to change anything in my life. 
I can understand that it would change a lot of other people's lives, but I'm in a in a fairly fortunate position that I don't need to worry about things like that. An extra ten quid a week. I don't smoke. Might have to cut down on the prosecco. God, I felt quite weak then, even mentioning cutting down on the uh, on the prosecco, which everybody seems to be everybody's favourite drinks. Uh, Malcolm says we keep having it pushed down our throats at the X Factor as a singing competition. Well, if Honey G is a singer, I'll enter myself. Yes, well, there's a trick and a half, I should imagine. Um, yes, well, she's not a singer. She just it's just silly. It's just ridiculous. I mean, I don't even know why she's in there. It makes a it's a joke. The whole thing is an absolute joke. All they're looking for, though, is they're actually looking for somebody they can make money out of. You wouldn't make any money out of it. She, would, she wouldn't sell an album. Nobody would buy an album at all. Uh, Debbie's not given me a penny, claims Daniels Jr. Nor should she. Nor should she. He's the magician's eldest son from his first marriage. Uh, the pair who had three sons, divorced in 75. Daniels later married Miss McGee. They were married for 28 years. 28 years. And she doesn't want to give any money to him. Why should she? Got nothing to do with him at all. Get off your bum and get out there and make some money yourself. And then, you know, when, when you die, you can leave your money who you want to. Your father didn't want to leave you anything. Simple as that. Quite clearly, obviously. And, and having seen the way you behave disgracefully, I would think actually, you know, that would be... Oh, God, I know what I've got to do this week. Thursday, I've got to go and get my flu jab. I suddenly remembered. It only takes a second, but I always psych myself up for it. <laughs> Which I like. This is the stupidest mother in the entire world. And um, she tried to pin a bomb hoax on another woman following a row over a children's party. Her name is Claire Mann. She used an unregistered phone to send a message to a rabbi's wife in which she claimed a bomb had been left in a hotel where Israeli guests were staying. She had previously used the same mobile to send abusive messages to her own phone, later telling police the number belonged to her former friend, Ros Page. Officers saw through the ruse after tracing the phone to Mann's house and finding it stuffed in a box at the back of a cupboard. The women had fallen out weeks earlier when Mann thought Mrs Page had snubbed her child by failing to send an invitation to an eighth birthday party. I mean, she's as thick as a brick, this one. She admitted perverting the course of justice. She's going to be sentenced today, uh, so found, uh, found guilty. Uh, the prosecutor said the bomb hoax was received in 2013 by the wife of the rabbi at the Muswell Hill Synagogue. I mean, this woman is stupid beyond belief. Claire Mann. God, are you dim or what? Unbelievable. But anyway, um, speaking previously, this is uh, Mrs Page, who said her daughter was invited to the party. I'd emailed her father, but she didn't believe me. She then claimed Mann approached her daughter, Sophie, and called her a little bitch for not giving her... She's a vile piece of work, this one. Claire Mann facing prison. Thank God for that. Dear me, what a horrible piece of work you are. And ugly, by the way, I thought I'd chuck in as an afterthought. <laughs> but anyway, uh, man denied trying to persuade other parents to ostracise her. She's a mother of one, admitted a second count of perverting the course of justice in relation to a separate incident. Good God. She's, uh, phew, dear, she's a horrible piece of work. Just remember, Claire, Claire Mann, 48. Oh, I hope you do get sent to prison. Mind you, the prisons are overcrowded with scum like you anyway. What an awful thing to do. Uh, 84850, uk, And uh, somebody says, have you had your flu jab yet? No, no, because I've only just recovered from my little bout of cold. And so I'm waiting. I've got it on Thursday. So Thursday, it only takes a second to do it. Ooh, even thinking about it makes me go goosebumpy. Because the needles seem so long. Why they can't use small needles? I don't know. And um, they're j- just in your arm. They just pull the thing up. They'll, they'll, they'll strap... Um, piece of plastic round there. Do they put it in the arm? 
Yeah, just li- literally just in the top of the shoulder. It doesn't hurt. Not much. Ah! 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 I'm like a big girl's blouse when they do it. I mean, I, th- I mainly do that to wind everybody else up in the doctor's surgery, sitting out there going, what's he having? And they go, it's the flu jab. Ow! Ow! I might cry this time, actually, just to add a little bit of, uh, little bit of, of extra on top of it. I think it's quite funny doing that. It's like in the dentist, isn't it? Ow! 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 People sitting out there going, I don't think we'll bother. Let's go home instead. I've done that before, actually. I have left. I've made an excuse and left. Rather than go through the pain of anything like that. I think you need to be comatose to go to the, uh, to the, get, to go to the dentist and to have an injection. Because the needles are so big. They're so... I mean, I, I inject every day, but my needles are tiny. I think they're 6.25s or something. But, I mean, theirs are enormous. Why have they got to be so big? I mean, I'm totally convinced. You know when you go to the dentist... And there might be some of you listening this morning who might have a dental appointment and they give you the injection to numb you up. Well, I'm convinced one of these days they're going to push that needle into my mouth and it's going to come out the side of my cheek. And I'm going to go, all right, what's that? <laughs> it's like in your arm when they do this thing. One of these days they're going to push it into my arm and it's going to pop out the other side. It's not that big, is it, really? It's horrible. I'm so sorry. If you're, if you're phobic... About needles, you'll be hating this. And uh, and Dan says, the week after you've had the flu jab, you'll get the flu again, like you always do. I know, I'm the only one who has the flu jab and gets the flu. The whole idea is it's supposed to prevent you, but because I'm in a high-risk category, um, I've, you know, I've got to have it. What if I actually went without it this year? But I've I'm, I'm booked him for it anyway, so I might as well do it. Another picture of Shami Chakrabarti. I just don't like her. I don't like her. I don't trust her, which is probably worse, I should imagine. Uh, John Cleese back at the BBC. And here is a yacht. God, this is a sublime. This is enormous. It's a super yacht. You can't miss this one. It's got sails, but it is absolutely enormous. It's the sails are bigger than Big Ben. The sails are bigger than Big Ben. It's a motor assisted yacht. It belongs to a Russian billionaire, of course. This is somebody called uh, Andrei... Melnichenko. You never know what they do for a living. It'll be, it'll be some Russian oligarch and people will have suffered, as you can imagine. Because he's paid £313 million for it. £313 million. I mean, just even looking at the people next to the sales. Uh, his, his, his wife, and she's called Alexandra. Guess, guess what she does? She's a former model. She's a, they're all former models, you know. You know, you get all these sort of ugly oligarchs. And then they're sort of with these beautiful women. And you go, what are they? Well, they're either hookers or they're models. It's a thin line in, in, uh, in, in Russia. It really is. But uh, this weighs 12,700 tons. It's um, the largest piece of curved glass ever made. It's got eight decks. I mean, when you look at it, you go, it isn't until you look at the back of it, you realise the size of this thing. It's got connected by lifts and spiral staircases. It's got a helipad, a submarine and two swimming pools. 313 million. Its top speed is 21 knots. It's got a permanent crew of 54 looking after 20 guests. It's a bit stingy, isn't it? Only 20 guests. But uh, imagine being invited on there. Good God, it wouldn't know where to begin, would you? Where do they build things like that? It's absolutely enormous. I mean, it makes the rest of it, everything else just pales into insignificance completely. It just, just disappears. You go, oh, but what have you got? I've got a 313 million pound yacht. Uh, where is it? It's the whole of the horizon. 
That's what it is. It's out there now. You'll absolutely love it. Philip Green will be so, so jealous that BHS didn't realise even more money for him, that it was only 507. So, I mean, he could, in theory, afford it, but he's just got his other one, hasn't he, really? That's only a, a hundred. That's only a hundred million pounds. But there again, he's an old man. I mean, he's not going to live long to enjoy it, is he, really? I don't think so. Um, is Del Trotter still making Peckham spring water from Only Fools and Horses? I thought that was a great one, was it? He just filled it up from the tap. Which is basically what this is, I suppose. But we do drink water, and I, I try and encourage people to drink water as often as possible because it's, it's very, very good for you. However, it's not very good for you where it's mixed with weed killer. And the reason I mention it is because there's a, a guy called Ray Winsley. And uh, Ray is... He's the man with green fingers. He's 79, and he was used to walkers past his, uh, past his bungalow taking pictures of all his pots and everything else. Not everybody was delighted... Uh, Weeks after being named winner of the containers category for Bath in Bloom, the retired builder found somebody had poured weed killer over his plants. I mean, what sort of sick person does that? His lawn, his flower beds, his hanging baskets have all been ruined. Absolutely ruined. He says people, you know, uh, used to take photographs of my house and uh, my wife, Sylvia, used to love seeing the flowers out front. Breaks my heart to see it like this. Neighbours have rallied round him. I mean, why would somebody do that? What sort of sick person would actually do something like that? I mean, I'd be inclined to break their legs, wouldn't you, if you found out who it was? It'll be somebody who lives in the village. That's what it always turns out to be. It'll be somebody who lives in the village. Remember, a short while ago, they had somebody who was doing poison pen letters. Turned out to be the retired verger or something who was, who was doing poison pen letters. And you think to yourself, these people are sickos. This man does something that gives pleasure to loads of other people who maybe don't have a garden, can't afford a garden, and he's got green fingers and he's out there and he's 79. And then somebody comes round and pours weed killer on it. I think hanging, don't you? Let's, let's, let's bring back the stocks. Or something like that. Let's sort of let's, let's think of some suitable punishment for these yobs who do it. But I bet you anything it'll be somebody. Because the police are now appealing for anybody to come forward if they saw anything. Let's hope somebody did. Let's hope somebody did see something. Because it's, it's ruined his life. He's 79. He comes from a generation where people didn't do things like that. You know, people, people were sort of uh, in, in admiration and in awe of what you've, of what you've actually achieved. And they would be thankful. There used to be a house uh, very uh, like, like his down the road from me. And I think then he sold it because the new people can't be bothered to do the garden. But it was always a riot of colour with, uh, with dahlias and everything else. And the lawn was immaculate. And then somebody else buys the house and they're not really interested in doing the garden because it's a labour of love. If, you, if you've ever done gardening in any way, shape or form, you know, I mean, this would be a labour of love. And what he'd done there, he's 79. I mean, he's not exactly whizzing around on roller skates, is he? But uh, I'm sure that a local garden centre will come to his aid. Because if they've got weed killer on the plants, you'll have to get rid of the pots and replace all the earth and everything else. So it's quite, quite labour intensive. Uh, poor old Grant Bovey. Oh, God, whatever happened to Grant Bovey? Answer, nothing. He's a failure. And his, uh, his business struggles... Go on, according to the papers today. His consultancy business has reported ongoing losses of more than 53,000 in its latest accounts, £46,000 worse than the previous year. And um, uh, Anthea was granted a divorce last October after his year-long affair with a young socialite was exposed. Declared bankrupt in 2010, he admitted he couldn't repay 50 million quid in debt. He's what's commonly known as failure failure and also having seen him on the television boring failure 
Very boring. He says, I feel I've let Amphia down. I've let my children down and everybody had faith in me. Oh, dear. It's a shame, isn't it, really, when you get to... How old is he, for God's sake? What is he, more than 15, more than 16? But anyway, declared bankrupt already. That's one thing I've never done, so I'm very happy. Uh, coming up very shortly, news at five o'clock. The family dubbed the thickest in the UK. It's embarrassing when you get a whole... Fa- you don't mind just generally the children being a bit stupid. But uh, the whole family is really worrying. Tom Hanks admits to panic attacks over not being very good as an actor. Police hunt drug dealer as girl dies. That's what I always think. Find, find the drug dealers, then you've got the source of the problem. Sky News breakfast star. The sexist banter of the TV old boys gave me sleepless nights. The trendy water from Coca-Cola, no better than tap water. Nagamanchetti out of Strictly. The mermaid routine flounders. Very good line. Very good line. Uh, and is Cheryl planning wedding number three? She's only 31, isn't she? Not exactly a great track record, but there again, a bit like her, uh, her recording contracts as well. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to be company. It's coming up uh, two, three, no, nearly uh, three minutes past five. Can't even read the clock this morning, actually. And uh, on the programme this morning, the trendy water from Coca-Cola. It's called Glaso, I think. And it's a nice bottle. It, apparently, it's no different than tap water. They sort of take it out of the same place that another company take their water from. It comes from Morpeth in Northumberland. And... Um, and it's a case of it, it just doesn't have any benefits for you. They try and make it sound like it's either going to make you more intelligent because it's sort of smart water, but it, it isn't really. Nagamanchetti's out. The mermaid routine didn't do too well at all. Uh, Debbie's despair over the Paul Daniels will row. And the police now blame victims for being burgled. Unbelievable. Uh, somebody called Joel, who does have a surname, he says, uh, you said the person owes... £3,000. They have to pay back over... No, no, you're not listening properly, are you? It's a shame. They owed £63,000. I can't help thick people this morning. I really can't, honestly. You know, sometimes... I mean, I've heard some stupid people over the time, but Joel would be the one, actually. He comes from uh, Portugal. Obviously, the further you get abroad, the dumber they become, really. No, no, no. No, they, they, they offered £3,000. Oh, no, I can't be bothered to explain it to you. Too stupid for words, aren't you, really? Where do you come from? Are you sort of just, you know, amazing? <laughs> 84850, steve at Oh, he's a bit simple, actually, Joel. As I say, he's from Tavira in Portugal. The gender, he can't quite work out what it is. I suspect old woman. I suspect old woman. He's obviously a regular listener. But uh, unfortunately, you've just gone into the sin bin. So now you've got, oh, nobody to write to anymore. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? Never mind, I'm sure you'll find somebody. Perhaps, uh, perhaps your local police office can, uh, can probably find you somebody to talk to. Again, this says, um, like you, I'm on the risk register, the at risk regarding the flu jabs. I had the flu jab two weeks ago. I've not had any symptoms of the flu since. You must be unlucky. I always get the, the, the jab and then I always get the, the, the cold it seems to run hand in hand for me. I quite, I quite like the experience. And um, bad news. Valerie says, have you heard that Tesco's has run out of marmite? No, they haven't. They've got shelves groaning with it, dear. Groaning with it. And it's made in this country. It's got nothing to do with Brexit. Marmite's made in this country. We don't make it abroad. It's made here. I thought everybody knew that, actually. You must be listening. You should listen more to LBC. It could educate you. Uh, another one here. Poppy Lady says, uh, back in 1992, my son sat excitedly uh, waiting for 25 people to turn up to his fifth birthday party. Nobody arrived. 
The next day, we found out that a parent of a child who used to be in his class had contacted every family to say the party was cancelled because I'd had a heart attack. There's some very evil, unhinged parents out there. I think they're probably living in Portugal. That's about the saddest place that we found at the moment, where they really are a bit thick. I mean, honestly, it's, it's almost too embarrassing for words. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you, you can't really quite understand. But I'd say, having watched this Can't Pay Will Take It Away, I've suddenly realised that the, the majority of people on there are compulsive liars. Most of them say the same thing to the blokes coming round to kick them out and change the locks. They go, I haven't had any notification. Well, of course, you don't have to have any notification. The High Court doesn't issue notification. Uh, Warren is up bright and early this morning. He, th- he thought that the bloke who was dumped from the X Factor was quite cute. This is, he had a little top knot on again. It's a very girly thing to have. I, th- I thought it was supposed to signify bisexuality. That's what I was always told anyway. So, I mean, what do I know about these things? And, uh, and then he said, what on earth was um, Sharon Osbourne on? I know she's, she's appeared, <laughs> she appears to be recently losing the plot a little bit. And uh, we don't know if she's back on the source Again, which I always thought was hilarious. But the trouble is, I've discovered the older you get, the more drink affects you. So, in other words, when you get to Sharon's age, and she's, what, 90, 103, 104? Something like that. Difficult to tell, actually. You need to cut her in half and count the rings. And uh, the the drink seems to affect her. So, in fact, she might only have to have a couple of glasses of wine, and she might look as though she... (laughs) She'd been at the booze all night. On the other hand, she might be on medication. She might be a bit, as we call it in the business, she might be doing a bit of a Sarah Harding. Because Sarah Harding could have actually saved an awful lot of time and trouble when they were sort of talking about her coming out of Ghost. She should have actually said, the reason I'm coming out is because I hurt myself on the jump and I'm on medication for it. But she didn't say that. She just sort of left it and then retaliated because the paper was then speculating on the uh, on the on the fact that you know, she's out of this thing and she's drinking alone in her room and all that kind of stuff. It paints a very sad, lonely picture of Sarah Harding. But there again, she's not really had much, much sort of success in anything she's ever done. I think she was... The trouble is, you see, here is the huge problem in this. The huge problem is that people get loads of coverage in the newspaper. You need to read my book, so you want to be a celebrity. You get loads of coverage in the newspapers. That does not translate into work. As, in fact, that poor girl from Coronation Street discovered when she came out and thought, because she'd got loads of coverage and people were going, oh, look, and she got great breasts and all the rest. And that was sort of the only thing that they, they talk about. Here she is in a bikini. Here she is walking down the street. Here she is doing this. And, and she thought, oh, I'll, I'll go to America and they'll be offering me a job. Nobody offered her any work. Nothing at all. Nothing at all. So she's had to go back to Coronation Street. Bit embarrassing, isn't it, really? Uh, Steve, Sky Sunrise. Nothing about the sexist comments made by the women presenters. They should be on Loose Women. Do they? See, I haven't seen... Sky Sunrise. I mean, I I see it, but I don't hear it because it's up in the it's up in the I've got it up in the studio at the moment. Only because I can, their their breaking news thing is always very interesting. So if it's something really really important that I can, I can sort of tell you about it. But I, d- I don't watch the program. I don't know why they've still got people on there to review the papers. That's a waste of time and money. Might as well get rid of them. half of them aren't even qualified. What are they? Who are they? They're talking heads. It's very bad. One is a warm-up man for a television programme. A warm-up man, I ask you. And apparently comedian. <laughs> very not funny. Haven't seen him on any comedy shows recently. Nope. And uh, one of them was Jade Goody's trainer or something. What's he doing on there? Chris Akabusi. What's he doing on there? The world's most boring man. God, blimey. And then a few other oddballs who sort of creep out of the woodwork. And you begin to wonder. It's ridiculous. And... Um, Somebody says, change your driver's seat into a portaloo. I don't think you can do that in my car. Well, I don't know, actually. 
I don't know. Wayne says, listening on the way to Heathrow again for a night in Oslo. He says, because if you were off sick, your listeners would be at a loss. Thank you, Wayne. Thank you, Wayne. A night in Oslo. A night in Oslo. Is it, is that, it's very expensive, but he's, he's a trolley dolly. So they don't worry about that because they have their sort of set hotels. When you say a night in Oslo, are you flying to Oslo and it's, it's a business, it's, it's, it's work for you? Or are you going there on holiday? Because the other week I mentioned uh, Matt on the programme going off to Rome with his girlfriend Alex. And I didn't realise that that was my brother's girlfriend's son. They texted me on their way to the airport. They were listening to the programme and they texted on the way to the airport. And he said, did you know it was me? I don't know. <laughs> Not at all. I just uh, I sort of said, oh, they're off on their way to, uh, to Rome. And I, I, can't, I must have said something about it. But, uh, but they were listening to the programme. And so they decided to text on the way to the airport. Otherwise, I mean, you, I, I don't know who people are. I must get loads of people. Sometimes my, uh, my, my brother used to say, it's your brother. And then you sort of know who it was, which is good. So you have a nice night in Oslo. Imagine if I banned my brother. <laughs> it's like anybody from Portugal at the moment, you know, because I, this one was really thick. That's <laughs> how stupid you could be. But uh, obviously very, very, very stupid with a surname like he's got. I mean, God. <laughs> you do worry, don't you? These people, perhaps they vote. Perhaps he's not intelligent enough to vote. I bet he's not working either. Because I remember somebody once telling me something. They were doing something. What did they write into me? And... Um, and it, we were talking about, it might have been to do with property or something like that. And he said, he said, oh, by the way, he said, I've got an architect design house. And I came back with, everybody's house is designed by an architect, you fool. What do you think? They just sort of put down a pile of bricks and just make up a shape. No, everybody's house is designed by an architect. But he was too stupid to realise. He, he didn't get the irony. But that's a good thing about radio, isn't it? That's a good thing. Uh, you know, you can you can actually take take the mickey out of it, and they don't know anything about it. Did I get my free Marmite? Yes, of course. Listen, if I say I'm going out to get it, they only had five jars, five jars, and I got one of them. I don't even eat the stuff. I've just got a free free jar of Marmite. Although my um, my brother's girlfriend married, she's very good at getting free things. They went last night. They managed to get seats. I can't remember how they got them. It's on some website, Miss Saigon live at their local cinema, but it's transmitted from a theatre. Is it on in London, Miss Saigon? I thought it wasn't, but, I mean, I'm, I'm, obviously it was, because they did it the other night. Mm. Sorry, just had to have a slurp of my coffee this morning before I have another mouthful of my water. But, uh, yeah, they were doing... Oh, there you go. Live in London's West End. Record. So, the extraordinary 25th... Wait a minute, didn't I do... I... Did I do something on this? I can't remember. Somebody came in for in conversation, didn't they? Oh, I tell you who it was. It was um, Jonathan Price came in. So what they've done is they they recorded it and then they put it out on the on the cinema screen because they'd never seen it. So this one, that's right, that's right. So they did this one. Finished in February. They recorded it and now they put it out. I must tell my brother's wife because uh, brother's girlfriend because they. Uh, <coughs> they thought it was coming live from a, from a theatre, because I said, I didn't think it was on in the West End anymore, but I was prepared to accept the fact that I might, might be wrong. I never am, but, I mean, occasionally I like to sort of, uh, you know, admit to a couple of things, actually. And, uh, and that was, what, oh, look, holidays. 28 nights on a ship. I think not. 28 nights. That's nothing. You can do, there's the one round the world. Is it something like 324 nights? I think Cunard do this round the world, and it's a, it's a year. You live on board for a year. What, what you, they do. 
You would be throwing yourself overboard. But I think for people who are who like cruising, and there's quite a few people who it's it's not just an elderly people's thing. People like. Uh, Right, Matt will probably go with Alex. They'll, they'll, they'll probably end up doing a cruise because you can because everything's you just it's the clothing that's the problem for me because the cabins they call them state rooms and you know you think state room that makes it sound woo magnificently huge no 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 they managed to crab in a toilet a shower a wash basin a place to hang your clothes a double bed a mirror a safe and a little seating area and a balcony but it's all tiny it's made for munchkins. And so you sort of go on this thing and you've got to take suits. You've got to take dinner jackets. It's just a pain in the rear end. It really is. You don't have to wear that. They don't insist. But it just means that you can't eat in the dining room unless you're dressed for it. They like people to dress a bit like the Titanic as it was going down kind of thing. They like to sort of make sure that you're dressed very well. But it's a huge cruise that they do. I think it's called the Round the World Voyage. And it's, I forget how many hundreds of days it is. And prices starting from... Something like 26. I think Cunard do it. I'm pretty certain. Let's see how much it's going for at the moment. I think you, you, you can, you know, because if you want to go on a long holiday, you just sort of lock the house up or rent it out for a year or something. And then you toddle off. World cruises. Here we go. This is between 89 and 120 nights. And you're going to... Oh, wait a minute. 120 nights, 40 ports, 25 countries. Now, how much is that? How much is that one there? Can we find out the Queen Elizabeth World Voyage or Voyage Details? See, it's finding... Oh, there we go. Inside staterooms. That's no balcony. You're on a corridor, OK? That's an inside stateroom. And that comes out at... From about £14,000. From £14,000. I mean, I've got a flashing light in there somewhere. I wonder what it was, actually. I've got a flashing... I thought it was the phone flashing at me. What light's that? Is that an interesting light up there? That's an interesting one, is it? Oh, right. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Another one here. Perry uh, says it's to celebrate 25 years of Miss Saigon. Yeah, that's why we had Jonathan Price in. I'll have to tell my... Because they they thought it was coming live from a theatre, whereas, in fact, it was recorded at the theatre. Whereas the Billy Elliot was actually done as live and transmitted to everybody, which was uh, fantastic. Really great one. Uh, Unilever's justification putting the price of Marmite up was that even though it's made in the UK, the bottles they put it in were made abroad, says Richard on the Wirral. I don't know, come up with any old excuse, don't they, really, nowadays? It's amazing. And um, another one here, and this is from, 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 from. A lot of people talking about loose women. And actually, oh, this week, oh, bad, oh, bad news. Bad news for, for, well, good news for people who enjoy watching bad presenting because doing this morning... Uh, for this week, I think up until Friday or something like that. Yeah, it's uh, Fi- it's Philip Schofield and hi Yes, they've dragged her out of the cemetery and they propped her up in a studio and they'll try and get somebody to make the mouth move and whether or not they'll engage the brain at the same time as the mouth, I've got no idea. But poor old Christine Bleakley is back in back in work. She hasn't presented for years, so she's going to be as rough as anything. However. I thought she went to New York. I was hoping she'd stay there. We don't really want her back in again. But anyway, to make it worse, little Rylan and his dippy uh, husband are presenting again on Friday. This is the former policeman. How he ever made it as that, God alone knows. It gets more bizarre by the day, doesn't it? The people they put on there. I'm totally convinced that Martin Frizzell, the uh, the editor of the pro, only does it to wind me up. So I'll talk about it so they get publicity for the thing. That's why people make programmes and then they, then they tell me about them. It's terrible. Steve, an all-inclusive cruise costs less per week than staying in an old people's home. 
David's in Sidcup, poor soul, but somebody's got to be. Uh, yes, you're right. It's cheap. That's why a lot of elderly people go on cruises, because they've also got uh, medical stuff on the ships and everything else. So a lot of Americans go on these cruises that last for ages. Mind you, a lot of the Brits used to go abroad to Spain because you could stay for three months in a hotel and it was cheaper than here. So you're right. If you work it out, if you've got 120 days and it's from 14,000, it's cheaper than staying in, a, in an old people's home. Why would you want to stay in an old people's home? It's full of old people. You don't want to stay in an old people's home. You want to stay in a, in a young people's home. That'd be better. Poor Sharon, says Malcolm, couldn't remember the name of her own act last night. Someone had to prompt her. Oh, see, I always think that's quite funny. Mind you, I'm like that. I'm like that. I start forgetting all these uh, things. Uh, does the Cunard voyage stop in Portugal? Well, it did, but they, they've now decided to amend it, having heard this programme. So, they're, uh, so they, they, they sort of moved it round a little bit. Uh, Sarah H, says Peter, disappeared from... Uh, oh, that's quite nice. Is it, where's that? Is, that? is that one of the suites? Wow. That's very nice indeed. So, oh, oh, sorry, it's stopping in Portugal, Nick, on the 14th. Oh, that's bad, isn't it? 14th of January, it stops in... Mind you, you don't have to get off, do you? Because there's nothing really in Portugal, apart from that dim person who wrote to me. <laughs> that thick to some people have to be. I think some people enjoy being taken, uh, taken the Michael out of. I quite like... Oh, that's pretty. Where's that? Is that one of the fjords? I like that. Look at that. Look at how majestic that is. Isn't that gorgeous? And it's 118 night... The majestic scenery of southern Africa and extended acquaintance with Australia lie either side of the Indian Ocean. Woo! How could... And honestly, when you look at the size of the, the cliffs either side of that, it dwarfs that ship, and that ship is enormous. It's, it's just absolutely enormous. That's lovely. I like looking at their room. I mean, if you've really got limit... Oh, that's quite nice, isn't it? Little sofa bed. The trouble is, you know, you don't want to be confined to your cabin, do you, all the time, because you get a bit claustrophobic. But I, I quite like it. I mean, I was, I was quite happy in my little room. I would, I would lie on the bed and just go to sleep most of the time. They say the gentle rocking of the ocean. I don't think so. The general sound of sort of tables falling over and chairs as water pours through the portholes. If you're on the Titanic and some idiot playing a bloody violin. Yeah, no, shut up! Shut up! Can't hear where the lifeboats are. But it, it all looks very nice, doesn't it? And luxurious. And that's what you're supposed to think when you go on a cruise nowadays. That's, that's, a, large si that's a large single, is it? Oh, I don't think I want one of those. Like, that puts you down as, as Billy No Mates. I'm sorry, are you in the single... Oh, si single room person? That's like whenever you go... It, oh, it's a bit, a bit like a canteen, isn't it? Whenever you go out to a supermarket, don't ever buy the meal for one. They point at you. You get to the checker, for God's sake, buy the family meal. You know, buy, buy cat food and dog food and everything. Buy as much stuff as you possibly can. The dining room's a bit plain, isn't it? It's a bit Dover to Calais Ferry, the dining that's not very that's not fine dining. I don't like the look of perhaps it's the bar area for poor people. Don't like the look of that at all. The rooms look nicer. Do we have a suite? Can you find me a suite? Oh look, they've got lots of fish. It's all taken on. They don't they don't take on any food. It's all taken on at the beginning of the voyage. They they very rarely stock up. That'll be afternoon tea. I I recognise a cake stand. But um I'm looking for See, that's not bad, is it? You know, 14,000 quid. If you've got 14,000 quid. I'm trying to find a really nice standard in... Wait a minute. Atrium view inside. Atrium view inside. No, I don't want to be inside. Oh, God, no, I couldn't go in there. Oh, that's like a box. Oh, that's a... Look! That's a little box. Oh, no, I couldn't be in that. I'm feeling ill even watching the blooming... Bit. Look at this. Horrible. Oh, no. No, sorry. No, no, no. I'd be expecting a little bit more. 
for my money, but I suspect because that's what... You've got a little blind on your window, because I, I would actually open the window up so people could watch you walking around with nothing on. That's Marge. No, it's another little box. I don't like that one either. Can't you find me something luxurious on this ship? I'm hoping to find something really, really lovely. But uh, all of these look at... Oh, no, they're all boxes. Little boxes made out of ticky-tacky. Oh, sold out! Look, sold out, sold out, sold out, sold... They've only got uh, one on the inside at... Um, th- they're all sold out. Good God. Wait a minute. Oh, we, we found some bigger rooms. For, oh, blimey. The grand duplexes, gone. The duplexes and the suites, gone. Royal suite, gone. The penthouse, gone. OK, now we've got a queen suite. This is £47,249. Show me. Show me the queen's... Still a little bit... Per- That's 47,000, is it? Oh, blimey. Oh. Could we have a look at maybe the, the penthouse? I mean, I, I know it's... Oh, that's quite nice. That's a bit Ikea, isn't it? A little bit Ikea. You appear to have a couple of rooms, a television, curtains. I like curtains. OK, let's find something better than the penthouse. Let's go right to the top of that list. The grand duplex. Woo! Oh, that's very much nicer. I bet some of you listening have, have done this. You know when you go onto somebody's website and you have a look and you go, oh, I could stay there. That's 47, that's more than £47,000. But you do get, listen to what you get, OK? Brace yourselves. If, if you win the lottery, this is for you. You get 24-hour room service, a Bon Voyage bottle of champagne, butler and concierge service, priority embarkation, exclusive access to the Queen's Grill Lounge. In other words, you don't have to mix with peasants. Refrigerator safe and hairdryer. So important for me. Uh, soft terry robe and slippers. Nightly turndown service with a pillow chocolate. That's a bit naff, isn't it? Well, you know, you've just spent 47,000 quid and they give you a pillow chocolate. Uh, a pillow concierge. A selection of pillows and duvets to suit your preference. I'm sorry, do you have one that shows every part of my body off? You know, uh, Fresh flowers and daily fresh fruit. Daily shipboard newspaper. Satellite television with multi-language film and music channels. Personalised stationery. We're in the penthouse. This is us sending you a letter. Bar stocked with spirits or wines and soft drinks. So you can be tiddled throughout the entire thing. Uh, board games and computer games console. Uh, priority disembarkation and tender service. In other words, sorry, rich people, this way. It's quite nice, isn't it? But it's a lot of... We don't know how much that one was. That was a, that was a, a, a duplex, we thought. But uh, we, don't, we don't know. We don't know how much it was. Oh, no, there's, a, there's a, fi- a price that came up. There was a price, wasn't there, before that? Was there a price? From 70... No. The Queen's Grill... I don't know what that is, but it's £43,000. Oh, well, listen, let's just, let's just accept the fact that we haven't got enough money to do it and, and you've got me until 7 o'clock this morning. I mean, that in itself is worth the price of admission, isn't it? You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I feel as though I've been on that cruise now. I feel as though I've been there. Having seen the rooms, and to be honest with you, if you've, if you've got the 47 grand, believe you me, I would be taking something. But I want old-fashioned luxury. I know that we, we stayed in a hotel years ago in Manchester called Malmaison, and I hated it. It was a modern hotel, so it was all dark woods, and it just wasn't... I wanted something like the Grand, you know, with big, you know, button-back armchairs and stuff like that. And when I looked at the... Uh, at the cruising pictures, and everybody's quite right, a lot of people have texted in to me saying, in fact, the... Um, the cabins that sell the quickest and first are the most expensive ones. 
you know, put it this way, they, they announced the voyage and they would have priority customers. They'd be writing to their priority customers going, uh, we have a voyage taking place on the phone. Would you be interested in, in any of our deluxe uh, rooms? There would be a separate service for those sort of people. There will be people who would, who would always, always travel in the penthouse or the suite. They would, they would know the staff and everything. That's, that's how it would be. That's how it would be. Uh, another one here. Uh, watching, uh, says Ian, uh, Little Minx, Mix on The X Factor, uh, murdering a song. When they finished, they were chatting to Dermot. One of them's got thighs like an elephant. They were massive. Yeah, that's the one who's going out with Colleen Nolan's son. Because that, 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 that was the joke, wasn't it? That they were saying that he's actually going out with this, this girl because she reminds him of, of, uh, of his mother. Because Colleen's got thighs like, you know, I mean, dear Lord above. I mean, seriously, really, quite, uh, quite amazing. Quite amazing. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. Uh, I'm flying to Orlando, coming back transatlantic to Barcelona in a studio box. Norwegian epic ship, booze included. 1,600 quid for two weeks, says Teresa. Yeah, I mean, you can get some really good deals. Oh, we found a penthouse, 57,000. This is, remember, this is 120 days, isn't it? I mean, it's 120, that's a long time. So it's here, so you're doing 120 night circuit from Southampton. You discover the Amazon. I'm not taking it up the Amazon, surely. That's a joke there. Uh, vibrant cities and Chile's glaciers in South America. Three Pacific Isles, Australia and New Zealand, Samoa and Hawaii, guiding you to a string of US visits either side of a Panama Canal transit. I mean, that's worth it alone, going down the Panama Canal. That's a, that's a palindrome. Did you know that? A man, a plan, a canal, Panama. And a palindrome is... A word or sentence that reads exactly the same, forwards or backwards. So a man, a plan, a canal, Panama. Write that down. It reads exactly the same backwards as it does. Uh, how many staterooms would you like to book? We like to make your booking. You see, the trouble is, I think they would have people who would phone up. They'd go, uh, Steve. No, they'd be, Mr. Allen. It's Cunard here. Hello. Uh, we have a cruise leaving very shortly, and I've only got... They would obviously say, I've only got one penthouse left. And I'll go... Oh, God, don't you have the duplex? And they can go, no, I've got the penthouse. I can do you a nice deal on the penthouse, if you like. OK, I'll take that. I'll take that one. Uh, but I don't want the board games. And I don't want the chocolate on the pillow either. But I do want to pick my own duvet. I'll have a 63 tog or something. I don't know, whatever I'm ordering. Could we do this show from a cruise ship? No, because I tell you what I discovered. When you go to sea, uh, you, when you're in port, your phone works. When you go out to sea, nothing Nothing. You're completely isolated. Small wonder there was nobody on the Titanic phoning up and going to people. We're on the Titanic. We're on the... Oh, the blooming line's gone again. <sighs> We're on the... T Hello? Oh, God, she's gone. I don't know what to do about it. Interesting, though, isn't it? That now, that, now that we feel that we have actually been on the Titanic... Uh, not on the Titanic. We've been on this Cunard Actually, I would have loved to have gone on the Titanic, wouldn't you? I would have loved to have gone on the Titanic. I mean, obviously, you know... Perhaps in the early days when they were building it, just have a look round, just to see. Because when it first launched, it must have looked sensational, absolutely sensational. I mean, it was it was beautiful, absolutely beautiful. Nobody on there, obviously, knew what was about to to unfold. But they had three classes: first, second, and third, and that was the uh, that was the that was the problem, wasn't it? But you look, I mean, compared to the ships of today, the Titanic was tiny. I mean, really tiny. And so if you look at it in front of this, there is a ship as well called The World. And you buy 
a cabin on there. You buy flats on it. And all it does, it just goes round and round the world with a permanent crew. So most of the time, the thing's plying empty, I would have thought. And then you sort of get on at wherever you want to get on. And you go to your penthouse or whatever it is you've actually got. And then that's your home because you own it. <coughs> Excuse me. They go for ridiculous amounts of money. Over millions. Millions, some of them. And it's your floating home on the seas. And they've got restaurants on there. And it's just for people who who obviously have made, you know, a lot of sort of money. Actually, if you look at the Titanic compared to the QM2, it's tiny. It's tiny. It must have had four engines. If it's got four funnels, it must have been four engines. Mustn't there? But, I mean, really, really interesting. So many, you know, people going, it's huge. But uh, I suppose in its day, it was considered huge. We have lots of Titanic experts who listen to this programme. Back in the 90s, Steve, when QE2 used to do a three-month round-the-world cruise, they could charge up to 330000 for that. You would get an apartment which comprised of two... Four, well, you get it much cheaper now. That's 90... That's it's only 90 days. We can get 120 days for 57000 That's in a penthouse. So it's, it's much cheaper. Uh, Mick says you don't need to take dinner jackets on Saga cruises. No, probably not. I want to know, people, people like dressing up, don't they? I'm not big on the dressing up kind of thing. I'm, I'm really, you know, I mean, I don't mind for the right thing. But, I mean, uh, to be honest with you, when we did it on the cruise, it turned out to be a bit of a faff. And there wasn't quite enough room. And I, said, and I know, you know, it was, it was sort of lovely. And um, Colleen Nolan and Jesse Nelson have legs like sequoias, says, says you. The people who don't know what a sequoia is. That's a huge tree, isn't it? Huge tree. Uh, 84850, Steve at LBC. Uh, Star Clipper Cruises, if you want luxury. Actually, there's a hotel in London that's just bought its own um, luxury yacht. It's, it's a big, big vessel. And it's uh, this is $240,000 a week you can rent it for. It comes with a crew of 12. So you can impress people and pretend it's yours. We used to get that when I used to live in Staines. God help them. And, um, and I used to uh, go and drink in a pub by the river there we used to go and sit there and watch and people used to pull their boats in but what they didn't know is that we knew they were all rented from hose seasons and people always try and pretend it was but of course they all look the same and they've got the hose seasons little badge on the front of it we used to sit there as they became okay hard to port and they always for some reason people who've got boats dress up they they are like hyacinth bouquet they do put on the nautical you know hats at a jaunty angle you know, and everything else, and uh, belay, you know, and all this kind of... I don't know, whatever it is. Uh, Steve, talking about meals for one, have you seen first dates? All you get for being on the show is a meal for one left outside your front door. Yeah, but have you seen some of these people? They're, they're oddballs. Who would ever go on the television and admit they couldn't find somebody to go out with? Saddos. Saddos. Really is. I mean, sad, sad, tragically sad. Who went on it? Didn't, um... What's it Maloney go on? I think she went on there. And, uh, and then the bloke said, I don't want you showing this. Far too embarrassing. Turn up and it's somebody trans. But they'd already told him. That's why I didn't quite understand why I didn't want it to be shown. Mildly entertaining for us. But, uh, yes, I mean, fancy admitting you can't actually find somebody to go out with. And then you see them on this programme and you suddenly realise why they've got nobody to go out with. It's because they're boring. Very dull. And uh, Richard says, on the QE2, they used to boast if you're in the Queen's Grill restaurant, you could ask for anything to eat and they'd be able to prepare it for you, even if it wasn't on the menu. Well, I would expect that in any restaurant. What, what, sort of, what restaurants are you going to, Richard? All the restaurants I go to, I always order off the menu. I never go... Do you go on menu? Oh, how dull. No, no, you, if you want cheese on toast, Welsh rarebit, I always ask for Welsh rarebit. 
Never get it. I always have to have something off the menu. But I mean, I uh, start with all good intentions. I'm sorry. Do you have roast conger eel on the menu tonight? You know, they'll go. Do you know, as luck would have it, we pulled one in the other day. Yeah, we got conger eel. How would you like it cooked, flambéed, creosoted, whatever you want? You can have it done in this restaurant. No, I always, I always order. There are certain things you can order off off menu, but it's only for those people in the know. You know, you won't find in Joe Allen's the burger on the menu, but everybody knows about the Joe Allen's burger, so. People go in and order the burger, which is, is quite nice. And uh, Phil says, well, for goodness sake, stop messing about with the cabins. Just charter the ship. And then you could sail past Philip Green's tiny little yacht and splash him. Yeah, I could do that, couldn't I? We go, beep, as you, you know, pull down the thing. Because when, uh, when we set sail from, uh, we went on one of uh, Royal Caribbean's, which seemed big enough to me, but the, but the QM2 was in, in Southampton, where they're all in at the same time. You suddenly realise how big this ship is. It is huge. We couldn't see anybody in the cabins, but I'm sure they were all waving at us. And then just as we sort of left port, left port, <laughs> we were all doing lifeboat drill and everything else, and the QM2 decided to sort of send us on our way with a pulling on the funnel thing, and that the noise was deafening, seriously deafening. And uh, Tony says, what's important to our Steve then? The fridge, the safe, of course, for all your money, a hairdryer maybe. I think the hairdryer's the most important thing. Seriously, I think the hairdryer is, is, is definitely the thing on a ship. The safe I used to use all the time. And, you know, I mean, what you could keep, keep your doubloons in there, and I used to sort of keep that. But the first thing you do when you get on the ship is they have lifeboat drill. They have to teach you where, where to go in the event of the ship sinking. I mean, they don't. Well, not over here they don't, but they do in other countries, as we've discovered. And uh, you have to be safe, don't you? You've got to know. I always thought, actually, uh, somebody said, don't you think cruising's a bit like an expensive butlins on the sea? Um, yes, yes. I thought the food was very good. I mean, I was really quite impressed with the food. You know, we had, uh, we had very, very nice food, and it was, it was just, it was very pleasant. The only thing that spoiled it was other people being there. But, uh, you know, apart from that, it was, uh, it was great. The, the entertainment, mm, so-so. I bumped into a friend of mine doing the entertainment, actually. I to a friend of mine, which was lovely, actually. Uh, Paul says, Steve, by the way, hope you're well. The stateroom on the Woolwich Ferry is vacant for the next voyage. I must book it. How long is, how long is that? Is that? Is that a long, long journey? John the Cabby, South London. He says, on my first cruise on the Canberra, the class system was evident. Deck A was upper class down to deck E, which was very much lower class. Yes. Oh, it is. Oh, definitely. Oh, definitely. I mean, I don't think that if you go on one of these... I think if you went on the Cunard cruise, I don't think you'd ever meet the people who are in the top suites. I think that's like a roped-off area. You know, otherwise you'd have people going round saying, Hello? Hi, my name's Steve. I'm from Deck Z. And I just thought, I'd like to have a look round your room, because I've actually got one room, and I've got enough room for two toilet rolls in the bathroom. So could I have... Oh, you've got a full-size bathroom. Oh, that's right. And and a stocked fridge. (laughs) Heavens, but that's very nice, isn't it? Do you get the chocolate on the pillow? Crap, isn't it? And uh, and you'd be sort of you'd be intrigued as to what I'm, I'm always nosy like that. Whenever I walk down a street late at night, I'm always looking in people's windows. I can't help it. I just I'm strangely drawn to other people's lifestyles, you know. And I sort of I look at that and go, oh dear, hardly any pictures on the walls or something. I'd always make some comment about it. At the moment, I I have actually taken up a chair, and sat outside somebody's window watching their television, because the colour, I thought, was better on their one than it was on mine. I quite like that. I'm very funny about bare walls. I don't like bare walls. I don't have any bare walls at all in my place. Every inch of space is taken up with um, with sort of 
posters, theatre posters, old theatre posters, all framed. I don't just stick them up with Pritt stick or something like that. It's all, uh, it's all quite sort of nice. Every time I find another one, I take it over to my friend Andy and he, uh, he puts a frame on it. It's always very nice, actually. I've got tonnes of stuff. I've got so many pictures. Seriously, so many pictures. It's almost embarrassing. But uh, I like the idea, Kate, an expensive Butlins on the sea. I think they would like to sell it to something a little bit more than that. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. It's amazing how many of you have been uh, been cruising, which is uh, great. Uh, I love the idea that people are talking about how much they would spend on a cruise. I couldn't possibly divulge. It would be cheaper for taxpayers, says Max, if the Tory MPs chipped in together to buy the Queen an apartment on the world ship rather than public money for a new yacht. Yes, I mean, I don't... To be honest with you, they don't even need another Yacht Britannia, do we? Uh, you're absolutely right. QE2's apartment rooms used to have their own private floor that wasn't accessible by anybody who didn't live on the floor and their own private lift to that floor to keep the riffraff of the great unwashed away. Yes. It is true, isn't it? That's what people, uh, people sort of like. The idea that the more... But it seems a bit pointless, really, going on a cruise and then and you sort of keep yourself away from people. So you just sort of stay in your own little... Mind you, who knows if that's what people want to do. On my cousin's 50th wedding anniversary, Steve, I ordered a cake and a card. She was on a cruise. On the cake, I went happy 50th, and the card I wanted. And uh, they put the the latter. Oh, Shirley, make sure Ted has half. So they put it on the wrong thing. They put it on the cake. I quite, you can, that's what you can order, can't you, when you're on the ship? They, they, they like making cakes for people. I always think you just make it up, actually. You just say to somebody, oh, it's my birthday today, and they make you a cake. <laughs> get a piece of cake, which is lovely. Uh, Martin Kemp. Oh, hello. It is. He's co- I think he's coming in, actually, at some point. He says, did you get the two towels made into two loving swans left on the bed? For it? We, we got a monkey hanging on a coat hanger. <laughs> you must have done Royal Caribbean as well, Martin. You must have done. It was so funny, because every night you came in, first of all... When when we sort of loaded all the clothes and everything else, the bags arrived, but they just threw them outside my door. My suit was all creased up. I was furious. And so I sort of hang it all up in this piddling little wardrobe. And then every night there would be the thing, wouldn't it? you'd have the little thing saying, oh, the next day uh, or tonight uh, it's formal or it's casual or it's lounge suit or whatever else. And it was this never-ending putting clothes on and off. I mean, I spent a fortune on dry cleaning. Absolute fortune. But then they started doing the towels. The worst thing was on our cruise, on our cruise, they start, They had a, a thing at the end of it going, would you like to know how to make some of these shapes? And people were sitting in one of the, in the theatre while somebody demonstrated how to make um, a, a swan out of a towel. I just wanted to make a towel out of a towel. But we had, we did come back to the monkey, which was hanging from a hanger above the bed. And it was always these chocolates. But because I was by myself at Billy No Mates, I was by myself in my cabin. I always got two chocolates for some reason. Perhaps they felt sorry for me. Or they thought, let's sort of overfeed the uh, the old diabetic. But uh, no, definitely, definitely freaky, freaky. They do odd things, don't they, on cruises? We went and played bingo one day. We were so bored. Because they always do something on there, which is sort of... What do we have on our ship? We had um, a place where you can go and smoke cigars and, and drink brandy. You know, it's like butlins on the sea and you're, you're drinking brandy. I couldn't quite get to grips with that. But we, we went and had the, uh, the buffet breakfast was very good. They cooked omelettes while you waited, which was nice but time consuming. And, um, and the food was very good. If you didn't want, you know, to go and dine formally, you could eat at the front of the boat and have all sorts of things. So we did that a couple of times. And then you have to buy the things for the kids. 
because they all wanted the, um, uh, you can pay so much and they get free drinks. Because otherwise, if you're paying for them, we, we racked up huge amounts of money on milkshakes. It was very easy. But they did frozen yoghurt. I, I developed an addiction to frozen yoghurt, which I quite liked, actually. It was very nice. So nice to know, Martin, that you've been on the same ship that I've been on. Perhaps they do it on all of them. I can tell you one thing, though. The bar staff have amazing memories, far better than any of the bar staff I've ever encountered around London, because they remembered you. They remembered what you drank from the first day, and they must serve hundreds, if not thousands, of people. And the first time I had it, because you can either tip them on each one, or you just hand over this credit card thing and they put it on there. And literally, day one, I ordered whatever it was I was ordering, double vodka and thing. Next, I only had to walk up to the bar and he go, same and he, he remembered the drink every single day. I thought, blimey, that's good. Also, it was slightly worrying and disturbing when you kind of think, he knows what you drink. He knows what you drink. Oh, is this the Bells battle, which they're doing? This is the uh, the Bells, the bell ringers who have all been fired from York Minster. And uh, 32 of them. Campanologists, they are, incidentally. That's the art of bell ringing. See, you thought it was something else, didn't you? But it's not. No, it, it's, it's, it's campanology. Is, uh, is bell ringing. Do you want to know what the papers are saying today? I bet you do. Cliff Richard says it's fantastic to enjoy my birthday feeling free. He's going to address Parliament today. He's, uh, he's not happy. Rod Stewart has said that he's going to... Uh, he will co-fund him if he wants to sue the, uh, the BBC. So uh, that, that looks like that one's progressing. Uh, Martin Kemp. Laugh out loud. Thank you. <laughs> you've got... I mean, how airbrushed is your photograph? I mean, come on, I thought mine was bad enough. <laughs> he is coming in. I can't remember when he's coming in. I'm sure somebody said to me the other day, because Martin's son works works here as well. The competition from the youngsters nowadays, Martin, as you're well aware, is frightening. Just the very idea that Bross have reformed, I find quite frightening. Quite frightening. Uh, Hilda, in her own words, in, in a lot of the papers today, Hilda Ogden, Jean Alexander, 90. 90. Still going. So, well, she's not going now. She's going to meet her maker. Uh, Nick's fling, Nick Knowles. I did do this at the time because I, I slightly worry about uh, people who are in the public eye. The one thing, Martin will tell you this, you've got to be very wary. As, as you're growing up, you know, you meet lots of people who want to tag onto your coattails and grab a bit of the action that you've got because they want it in their in their life as well. And uh, as it goes through, it gets more and more desperate. You get girls who hang around the nightclub so they can specifically find a footballer or somebody who's famous who'll buy them drinks. They can get the champagne, get them into the VIP area. It happens all the time. It happens with all the groups, I should imagine. Over the years, you know, over the years, you will actually see, you know, people and they, they make a very good living out of it. And then they become famous through their association with somebody who is more famous than they are. And that's when I thought it got very worrying. And so Nick Knowles, the other day, with that excellent DIY SOS, the programme that literally reduces me to tears every time, because it's, it's children, it's generally children, who don't have very much in their lives. Their parents can't afford to do things for them. There was the, you know, the little boy the other day. Do you remember who... Um, he had this... He was literally... His body was closing down, so he would go blind, he wouldn't be able to walk... And uh, and so they wanted to make sure that when he was in his wheelchair, he could get around the house. So they they do this thing. They they had their house and this army of people come in, local tradesmen, and they give of their time freely. I mean, it's the, it's the most amazing programme. It's just it just kind of makes you want to burst into tears. And you and you watch them and they in, I think in nine days they transform somebody's house into 
something amazing. You know, from doing the garden through putting in a wet room for him so that he, he didn't have to worry about showers or anything else. And the fam... I mean, you know, the family's in tears. I'm in tears. Everybody's in tears. Because they bring all these sort of little kids out and they go, we're going to show you what your room looks like. And they go, wow. You know, one of them, they, they, they put in bunk beds. So he's got his own proper room. And it's, it was just amazing. Love it. Anyway, so Nick has this little fling with uh, a girl from Emmerdale called Gemma Oten. Now, I'm aware of Gemma Oten because I think she's sold stories to the papers before. You get some people who are strangely addicted to the newspaper world, as uh, as Martin will tell you. You get people who are addicted to the world of celebrity. It becomes very, very addictive. They go out, they're seen all the time, they go to all the parties, and they get their picture in the paper. It doesn't necessarily translate into work. Anyway, um, he has hit back at her. She sold the story about the fact that he finished with her. Like, people finish with people all the time. And uh, he said it was a a turbulent and traumatic time. Uh, He's now back with his wife, Jessica, after a difficult year involving a miscarriage, the breakdown of the marriage and cancer. Gemma then revealed that Nick grew cold as they lay in bed together and their phones flagged up Sunday mirror snaps of them looking loved up after an award night. I mean, it's this addiction, isn't it, to celebrityism. It's you ask kids nowadays, what do you want to be? Famous. Well, what does that mean? They have no idea. They think being famous is that you go out and you have your your picture taken with somebody more famous than you, but you're associated with them. So you then become that person's best friend. I remember Vinnie Jones was talking about how he was friends with Sylvester Stallone. Well, you didn't see any pictures of this kind of thing at all. You don't even, you know, occasionally see a picture of David Beckham with something other than a Hague whiskey bottle and a pair of pants in his hand. But occasionally you might see him with Tom Cruise. But I mean, all these people, they just go, oh, yeah, are, are you friends? Oh, yeah, I think they're fair weather friends. I don't really think that sort of David Beckham picks up the telephone any time uh, soon and sort of goes, hello, Tom, it's David. You know, I just don't see that happening. I sort of see really, you know, Tom Cruise going, he's on the phone again. Can we get this number blocked? Is that possible? Can we do this? <laughs> there is a picture, actually, of David Beckham, not in his pants, but holding a, holding a whiskey thing. Cause he put, but I just don't see David Beckham drinking whiskey. I see him, I see him more as Lucasaid. I seriously don't see him drinking alcohol. You can imagine. what I mean, we know what she looks like when she's had a few sherbets because she's, she lurches out of restaurants and I uh, don't say anything. Have you eaten anything, Victoria? I don't talk. I don't talk. And so her son has to help her to the car. That's in between on his skateboard. And, uh, and David, I think, is just sitting at home with a cup of tea or a milkshake. I don't think it goes any further than that. News at six approaches very fast. Police now blame victims for being burgled. In fact, if it's not a hate crime, they're not coming out to you. They haven't got enough time to do it. Debbie's despair over the Paul Daniels will row. This is with son from first marriage who says, you know, I didn't get anything in my dad's will. Why should you? Why should you? You, don't, you know, you think parents do that. Paul McCartney, I think, is not leaving his money... To uh, to his children, he's he's made them work. I should imagine, actually, Martin's probably done the same. You know, to the kids, you, you get people out there and they learn work. We did it; they can do it. It's not difficult. My friend Graham's going to Abu Dhabi. He's listening in the car on the way to the airport. Is everybody going on holiday this morning? Everybody except me. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Monday morning. I know you hate it. I know you hate it. You don't think, why can't weekends be longer? Why can't we? Oh, we've got to get up to go to work. What's the matter with that? I said to somebody this morning, I was talking to my friend Toby, and uh, we were sort of saying about, you know, isn't it nice to actually do something where you get paid for doing it? It's not difficult. I can actually go home. Mel, I shall see you later on. And uh, she's going to need company today. 
This is a friend of mine as well. I have to explain it. It's so complicated, my life, honestly. Everybody else's life is so simple. Mine is so complicated. Uh, the Calais boy who made Lily Allen cry is the son of a former ISIS fighter. I don't think we really want him, but we're stuck with him in the country. He goes back to Afghanistan on holidays now. Such a cushy life, isn't it, really? I must become an asylum seeker. It's obviously working for some people and not others. Uh, Anthea's ex loses more cash. He's a bit of a disaster. Poor old Grant Bovey. Uh, Please hunt a drug dealer as a girl dies. Now, I've said to you before that uh, I think this is... There was another girl in the papers the other day whose parents printed a picture of her, I think on a life support machine, because she'd taken some drug at a party. And I said, I don't know what it is that you have to say to young people now to keep them away from drugs. It's not that drugs kill. It's just that they kill certain people because maybe their bodies aren't up to it. Because otherwise, as these things are made in huge batches, uh, there'll be loads of other people dying. But it's not. It'll just be an isolated case. And this 16-year-old girl, uh, this ecstasy pill, I'll tell you about it, only for the simple reason the police have named it. I mean, I wouldn't... I've never taken ecstasy. Probably makes me a very naive person, but uh, I've read enough stories. It's called Purple Ninja Turtle and Red Bugatti Veyron. And that's what it... Now, obviously, these things are made in huge amounts, and they give them to people, and, you know, young people choose... I don't, what they thought the end effect was going to be, I've got no idea. Anyway, um, she may have had access, this girl. Uh, Shelley Callahan died in hospital in Edinburgh. She was one of four who fell ill at the party. So anybody who's taken these tablets, they say, you need to get yourself to hospital. You seriously need to get yourself to hospital. I mean, if, if you can save one more life, then uh, that would have to be the bonus, wouldn't it? But what you can do to stop people taking them, I don't know. I really don't know. I, you know, you can, you can say, and I've seen pictures, you know, in the papers of, uh, of parents, you know, by their child's bedside after they've turned off the life support machine. And there's no answer to things like that. You can't do anything. What, what can you say to them? Shake them by the shoulders and go, why did you take these drugs? Why did you, what did you possibly hope to achieve? What did you possibly think was going to change inside your body? The answer is, in this particular girl's case, it killed her. It killed her. It probably didn't kill other people, but they fell violently ill. And so that's why you've got to... You can, but it, you can only tell them, can't you? I can remember, you know, we did things when we were young you didn't tell your parents about. So if your parents said... I mean, my parents must have known that I was smoking at the age of 15. They must have done, because they must have smelt it. You would smell cigarettes. I mean, and yet we smoked. I didn't, I didn't think that there was anything unusual about it. But you didn't tell your mum that you smoked cigarettes. You really, I mean, you really didn't. And yet they must have, she must have, because nobody smoked, well, my dad smoked a pipe. But they'd be thinking, why do Stephen's clothes smell of cigarettes? I can remember going home from, from the radio show in the morning when you could actually smoke on the premises. And you could smell it on your clothes. Now I just smell drift. And sort of all these other things that you drop into the washing machine. But I just don't understand why, you know, anybody would ever want to, you know, put stuff into their body that you know nothing about. When did I first admit I smoked? I can't remember. I think my mother probably found a packet of cigarettes. And she said, because she'd said to me one year at Christmas, my auntie Ivy used to smoke. And, uh, and I, I didn't think it was grown up. I just remember we had cigarettes at home. My mother said it'll make you sick. And I had a cigarette. And I couldn't inhale properly, so I swallowed the smoke. And it came out your nose, which we thought was terribly funny. Yeah. And it came out your nose. That was all, that was, we thought we were smoking, but we weren't smoking. And uh, I suppose by 16, I was smoking regularly, regularly, and smoked all the way through quite a lot of years, actually, quite a lot of years, till we started becoming ill. And then we decided maybe that perhaps we shouldn't actually uh, be, uh, be smoking cigarettes. But I was doing 60 a day. 
which seems seems an awful lot now. I mean, now I watch people smoke. I'm not bothered by people smoking. That doesn't worry me in the slightest. I always think to myself, I bet you'd really like to give up. Because it's so addictive. You know, you ask anybody who smokes, and they'll tell you that they, they, they're they addicted to cigarettes. I used to love smoking cigarettes, so I, I don't preach to anybody. I think it's far too ridiculous to start preaching. Uh, Wayne says, you're quite right. David Beckham doesn't drink whiskey. He's almost teetotal, apart from the odd glass of wine. But he does own shares in the Hay Club whiskey brand, which is why he advertises it. I know, I don't, I don't quite understand. You know, if he doesn't drink... I shouldn't imagine David Beckham would go, <laughs> horrid taste. You know, because you're, you're either a whiskey drinker or you're not. I'm not a whiskey drinker. I'm more a, more a vodka drinker. Not that, not that I drink vodka all the time or anything like that. I've got, I've got vodka at home, but I don't, uh, I don't enter. I don't... Sorry, I was looking at reading somebody's thing. Uh, somebody says, are they saying entering a property without permission is not a crime in law? It is. No. No, it's not, I'm afraid. It's not. This is High Court Enforcers. This is the programme on the television. Uh, they have the right... Uh, to enter your property because they have the right to enter the property. The High Court give them that right. You can call the police and the police will enforce that order. If they've got a High Court writ, they can enter your property and go round and make notes of what they think you've actually got uh, that they can sell to repay the debt which you have incurred. There you go. Uh, somebody else talking about uh, the couple who lived on a, on, on a cruise ship. With the reward scheme, it worked out cheaper than a care home. Yeah, I mean, I, c- I can understand that. I know care homes are terribly expensive. My friend Graham will tell you that. Very, very expensive. And so you're right. You could, you could in theory, I suppose. But you've got to come off because these ships don't continuously sail. They come into port, then they have a rest before they get rid of the next one. They have their sort of, you know, the staff, everything comes on board and everything else. So I suppose you'd have to come off going to a hotel and then come back on the ship again. You couldn't just sort of live on the boat while they're sort of doing stuff to it. Cabin might need uh, might need sort of refitting or something like that. But they all it, it all appears to be interchangeable, I think. Uh, Steve, I can't think of anything more boring than a cruise meeting the same people day after day, asking the same questions. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'll tell you what I hated. The only thing I hated about the cruise was the fact they had an official photographer who'd take pictures of you, and then at the end of each day, they would put them all up in a gallery, and you could buy a picture of yourself. What would be the point of that? What would be the point of that? I never quite understood the uh, the point of that one here. It, it, you know, I mean, d- did I buy any pictures? No. You know, whenever you go to the fun fair as well, they've got a thing where they do it at Winter Wonderland, and they did it at Alton Towers. You go on the log flume, and as the thing drops, and you go, ah, it takes a picture. So everybody's Everybody's mouth is open. I want to sit there with top hat and tails with a big smile on my face or looking like I'm about to attend a funeral, my own. And, uh, and then they go, would you like to buy your picture? No. I wonder how many people take up the offer of buying a picture of them coming down a log flume with their mouth open. You don't see many people, do you? They all sit there. and I've, I've, Perhaps they're just... Because uh... my, my brother's daughter, his youngest, she's a wedding photographer. She takes uh, pictures at weddings. But uh, she doesn't do an album. She sells them the disc with all the pictures on and they can they can take off whatever pictures they want and print them off themselves. So it's a lot easier because it's so expensive to get albums done and pictures. It's, it's quite an expensive thing, but she's uh, she's learning her craft very, very well. And you can get photos on the London Eye. Can you really? Oh, well, I'm not sure about that. I've only ever been on the London Eye twice. Is it twice or three times? I had a dreadful interview on the London Eye. It was so t- Every time I go out to do an interview, it's a disaster. 
Because the interviews are so much shorter than they're supposed to be, because people are sort of too busy with the, with the distractions. If you do an interview in the studio, then you're on a you're on a one to one with people, and so people sort of chat away, and it's it's much easier for me to work that way. But if ever I've been out on an interview, the, it's been a disaster. I, I, I just uh, I just give up completely. So I, I never bother actually. I never bother now. If ever they say, oh, it's on it's on location, I always go. I don't so I'd rather leave it. I'm not going to bother with that one. Anyway, uh, what else we got? In the we will, just after half past six, go through all the, uh, the front pages of the papers. Uh, uh, Cliff Richard, first birthday in three years when I felt really free. This has gone on for like two and a half years, this. Two and a half years. And uh, he's going to be addressing Parliament today. He celebrates his birthday. The other day, he was 76. He says, I'm lucky I could live my life and not bother... But the thought of this happening to somebody else is horrifying. Absolutely. Absolutely. In fact, there's a nice picture of him, actually, with, uh, with Brian Connolly and his wife. And I've got a nice picture of me with, with Cliff and, uh, and, of course, with Glow as well. Everybody's there. So he's, uh, he's very happy. He's, uh, he's fighting fit. He's amazing for his age. I mean, seriously, mind you, I thought Jean Alexander was amazing. I didn't even know she was 90. Really didn't know. Really didn't know. But uh, now, now it doesn't make any difference. But still, still a very clever part that she played, didn't she, on, uh, on Coronation Street. They're doing something with Coronation Street. I think there is... Um, I think there's... Is it trams outside that they're going to reintroduce in Manchester? And, and they're now worried about the noise from the trams, which will interfere... With the filming, because they film outside, obviously, on the on the set. And they've got trams which go up to the gates, I think. Ridiculous. Uh, Bart says, the log flume photo would look awesome if the log was full of killer clowns. Yes, if you're sort of sitting there and they superimpose clowns all the way around you. I'm not sort of making light of clowns. Uh, do you remember that, uh, that great show on the television, The Love Boat? Do you remember The Love Boat? It was an American series. Very good. It's on DVD. And... Uh, it's the story of a crew of this boat, which they call the Love Boat, and it sets sail from America. The Americans do cruising much, much bigger than we do. It's a fairly new market for us. And, uh, and every, every time they went out there, there'd be another event. Lots of famous people went on the Love Boat. And uh, it was, it's a really good... If you haven't seen it, watch it. Watch it. And incidentally, I hope that you uh, downloaded In Conversation this week, Ron Howard and Danny DeVito. Ron giving you a masterclass in directing and producing movies, talks about Happy Days, uh, talks about his working with Tom Hanks, who's in the papers today, because Tom, we're told, suffers from anxiety attacks. Anxiety attacks over whether or not he's as good as people say he is. But then I think Sky Movies were having a whole channel devoted to Tom Hanks, aren't they? I didn't know he'd made that many films, but obviously, yes. And so uh, they, were doing, they were doing that. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, a pretty busy week for those in Emmerdale. Uh, it's going to culminate in somebody dying. Uh, I suspect it's the uh, the ex-vicar, Ashley. I think he's going to be Ashley to ashes. And, uh, sorry about that. It's the best I can manage. I mean, there, there might be other people who are going to die. They always have a bit of a cliffhanger, but either way, they're obviously having a bit of a cull. And uh, and he he goes... Which is uh, which is a shame actually because I always quite liked his uh, his character. I wasn't you know I wasn't crackers about it. But it was okay. I thought it was very good. And then I got very 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 confused about you know his marriage, which then split up or something. Anyway, it's it's all changed in the Dales when it was Annie Sugden and everybody used to eat around the table. The Titanic says John had three engines, and although four funnels, one was for aesthetic purposes and was a dummy. The end funnel was used as a dog kennel. 
and a ventilation shaft. Most of the onboard photographs of the Titanic's maiden voyage were taken by the passengers who boarded at Southampton and departed at Queenstown, today known as Cove. Thank you, John, very much indeed. Actually, that reminds me, when you, when you say one of the funnels was sort of fake, it was for aesthetic purposes, there is a house down in a square off Queensway here in London, which is fake. It hides the ventilation shaft for the, uh, for the tube, for the underground. And the whole house is fake. It looks like the front of a house, but in fact behind it is this ventilation shaft. I've never actually seen it. I've seen pictures of it, and it does look like the house next door, but it's not. Like living next door to the neighbours who never, who never go home. We like things like that. It's very good. So thank you for that one. Uh, on the subject of, um, of pictures, Chris says, uh, was on a cruise in September, and as you say, photographers constantly taking photographs. Every time we get, you get on or off at the shop, at dinner, and all activities, I found the perfect answer. Didn't have one photograph taken of me. How I said every time, I only have my photo taken if I'm paid. How much will you pay me? Result, no photos, always works. Yeah, I don't want... I want people staring at my picture on a cruise. That'd be slightly odd. There's the, there's the house. Number 22 is inhabited, but the right-hand one, 23, is a facade. You'd never know, would you? You really would not know. It's in uh, Leinster Gardens in Bayswater. You go right down to the bottom. And so number 25 is the, uh, is the one... And Sorry, 23 is the facade. The windows are painted grey and the door is false. But it looks identical. And then if you see behind it, you can see the railway tracks. It's it's the oddest thing, seriously, in London. It's the... Have you you seen that before? Oh, it's in a Sherlock. Oh, is it? Oh, right, actually. So, adjacent streets. So, the facades of 23-24 played a part in Sherlock being used in the episode His Last Vow. I never liked Sherlock Holmes. I thought it was naff, actually. I didn't care about Sherlock Holmes. I always thought they were a gay couple anyway. Sherlock Holmes and Dr. Watson. Yes, exactly. Uh, apparently, uh, Will Guyatt says, Celebrity cruises are the way forward. Many bands and act... I know, actually, that is, that is the biggest thing now, isn't it? For people to actually go on cruises and you actually get um, a celebrity going on there. I know lots of celebrities who go on there... Uh, bands who play, I know lots of magicians who do them, and people who go on to give after-dinner speeches and things like uh, things like that. That's exciting, isn't it? Uh, Kasia says, I just dreamt that I met you. I have really weird dreams like that too. I think that's, uh, I think that's, that's fairly scary for most people. I think it's, it's, it's even more scary when you actually have a dream about somebody you know. So somebody that you actually physically know. Because when I sort of bump into it, I think, oh, God, do they know I've dreamt about them? But, of course, then after about, you know, 20 minutes, I've completely forgotten what the dream was about. But I'm constantly dreaming about people that I, that I do know. And not necessarily in a good way, I'm afraid. <laughs> 84850, steve at uk. Uh, over in uh, Coronation Street, it's all going to be going on. And in America, it's really going on because Hillary... And uh, Trump, he's now saying, give me and Hillary a dope test. I'll definitely pass. They've got a picture of her. It's taken really badly. I mean, she, she looks a bit like Wise Owl. I mean, as I've said a million times before, uh, one of these people is going to end up uh, with living in the White House. I personally hope it's neither of them, but I know it's going to be one of them. And that's the only that's the only problem, isn't it? That I just don't like any of them. LBC should make you a Father Christmas. And uh, Grace says, I wouldn't... Wish for a cruising holiday. Uh, it was cake weekend in my church. I had a very healthy piece of fruitcake. We had cake yesterday for Matt's birthday, which was made by his sister and by his girlfriend, Alex. So his sister 
And, uh, and Alex made this cake. It was lovely, actually. I ate some of the cake. I didn't eat the icing, because the icing would be really bad news for me. But the rest of it, are absolutely brilliant. Uh, the mental image, says Andy in Mansfield, of a monkey hanging over the bed and chocolate on the pillow has me wondering if the monkey's house trains. <laughs> I th- it was quite scary the first time, but it was just this hilarious thing at the end of the cruise where they went, oh, today we're going to teach you how to fold towels. I've never actually felt the overwhelming urge to fold a towel in the shape of a swan or in the shape of a monkey hanging on to a coat hanger. I don't know why. They must sit there and go, oh, there we go, swans again. That's like, it's like balloon modelling. I love watching balloon modelling, and it really annoys me to the extent that I can't blow a balloon up. These, there is an art to blowing up these long balloons. I'd have to bring in an automatic balloon pump because I can't do it. But I watch kids, you know, make swans and, you know, hey, uh, uh, sort of a headdress on or a sword or a poodle or whatever it happens to be. And I'm quite jealous. I've got the balloons. I just can't make the blasted, uh, the blasted things. Imagine, says Winnie, being stuck on a cruise ship with Peter Andre, Gemma the Hutt and Kerry Katona. No, that would be very scary. That would be very, very scary. <laughs> I think just with Peter Andre on there, they go, and the cabaret today is Peter Andre. No! That's like saying, Matt Goss will now entertain you. No! Thank you very much indeed. Noreen says, looking forward to watching the Olympics parade on TV later. Four years ago, we went up to see it. Got drenched yesterday. God, blimey. That was, it came down, didn't it? Whoosh, like that. Used to watch Emmerdale when Annie Sugden was making scones for everyone. Nay, nay, Mr Wilkes and Amos, who ran the pub. Amos Brearley. 35 years ago. Love to Patsy and Beryl. So there you go. And uh, have, a, have a nice day yourself. I hope we all have a nice day, actually. Because it's uh, very... A lot of people talking to me about Sharon Osbourne's bizarre behaviour on The X Factor. Now, whether or not the poor woman has gone back on the sherbet or had a little glass of tiddly stuff before the programme, I don't know. But it's certainly a bit odd when she can't remember the name of her act on there. And you feel like saying, why can't you remember the name of your act? I don't know why. <laughs> Always makes me laugh. I think she's quite funny, actually. I love Cliff, says Julie. First saw him at Wimbledon Town Hall when he was 16. It was a New Year's Eve. Good, I know. Well, he's, he still looks good today. Seriously, I think, I think, I think he really does look very, very good. Uh, 84850, steve at lbc.co.uk. And um, another one here. Oh, somebody says, excellent write-up by somebody about James O'Brien. Is there a write-up about James O'Brien in a paper today? We'll never know, will we? I shall have to get ready. It'll be in one of the posh papers. Can't see him making the uh, the sun or anything like that. And uh, Jane Seymour, still so stunning at 65. 65. Uh, there's also uh, a picture of... What's that a picture of? Oh, it's Ched Evans. And he was stunned when a razor blade was slipped under his prison door so he could kill himself. Dear. He did spend two years in prison, didn't he? I wonder what the compensation will be for that. I wonder. Half a million? That's, that's maximum now. I think it's capped at half a million. Is he in the eye, O'Brien? Oh, wait a minute. I'll have, have a look then, don't I? Might as well forewarn him in advance, because we'll never hear the end of it. He's got a picture of him on the front page. Uh, no. No. Is there a picture inside? Wait a minute. There's a woman with chickens, so that's, that's definitely not him. There's that other story which I find very interesting, which we did the other day on the programme, about somebody who used to be in the... Uh, in the band, the Boomtown Rats, suing Bob, Bob Geldof. It's not reached court yet, um, because he claims that he co-wrote it as well. Why can't I find a picture of, um, of O'Brien? Am I, am I looking for the right thing? Life in Brief, Gene Alexander. My View, wait a minute, My View, Ian Beryl, no. 
Well, I'm not finding this at all. This is going to be a difficult one to find, isn't it, really? Uh, Boomtown... No? Well, I can't find anything, honestly. I've done my best. Tried to find it. He hasn't... uh, he hasn't disappeared to another country, has he? No. Is he talking about Egyptian treasures? No. Don't think so. Do you think it'll be about, about the magical hour? How lovely. I quite fancy that idea. No. Is he on the television page? Well, this is ridiculous. Honestly, where is it? I don't like not finding things. I shall find it during the news. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 27... 27 minutes. It doesn't really matter. You're going to miss the train anyway if you're still sitting here now. I mean, goodness sake, you've got to, got to get your skates on. We found the bit about uh, Mr O'Brien. It's in the eye and uh, it's on Media on Monday by Ian Burrell. Uh, passionate and elegant political takedowns make James O'Brien one of radio's key players. See, all at LBC, all at LBC. It doesn't say anything about Magical Hour. It just says... It just says um, he, he does do other stuff as well. Uh, they say it can't be easy for him having reactionary former Sun columnist Katie Hopkins as an LBC colleague. <laughs> I don't think their paths mix, actually, to be quite honest with you. And um, he also does light-hearted material alongside the anguished polemics and interrogations. They think he should thrive on television. Well, if he had more hair, he would. If he had more hair, he'd definitely be thriving on television. I mean, heavens above. I mean, it's, you know, this is actually, it's quite a big picture, actually. In fact, it's quite a big picture to make up for that. There aren't as many words, are there? But he, he does all sorts of people. He does all sorts of people. So if you haven't heard him, better hear him this morning. But, of course, if, if, if you get it wrong, he will, he will tell you in no uncertain terms that you've got it wrong. It's as simple as that. Uh, I don't have any such luxury on this programme because I'm always right. Only very, very... Once in a blue moon, something will go wrong. I'll get something wrong, but I don't like that. Uh, It doesn't matter. A lot of people talking about uh, Cliff and uh, what he'll be saying today. And uh, Jane says, also, special guest star and dinner with Katie Price, I think. I've done nine cruises. Nine cruises, says Brian in Southwark. Unless you organise it, you don't see the same people. There's up to about 4,000 people on some. Great way to see a lot of countries without packing and unpacking a lot. Sharon looked like she'd had a few sherbets or was on some sort of medication. No, she's always like that. That's the trouble with her. I think that's what makes her appealing to people. I think people sort of quite like Sharon Osbourne because you, do, you don't really know where she is. But um, um, uh, Jane says, poor chappy, that James O'Brien, his quest to save mankind is sending him gaga. Do you think he's, he's saving mankind? Is he? I thought he was to infinity and beyond. That's the one I thought. Front pages of the uh, uh, the papers today, apart from the I featuring uh, James O'Brien, which is very nice, didn't feature me. I mean, you know, doesn't matter. I was Radio Times' favourite presenter, voted for by the people. And uh, <laughs> we don't need to mention things like that, do we? What should we pick up first? Let's have a look at the sun, shall we? These are the stories that you wake up to today if you are one of those people who is late to the, uh, to the dinner table. We start at four o'clock every morning. I'd quite like it if you could be here, please. You know, it seems a bit pointless me sort of sitting here if you're not going to be there, but you are. Sarah Jane Mee starts today. She's taken over from uh, Eamon Holmes and uh, and she appears to have a man sitting next to her. Can't imagine why. I don't know why they need a man sitting next to her. I don't even know who he is. I think his name's Jonathan or something. But uh, a lot of uh, a lot resting on her shoulders as, her, you know, but, but not really because it doesn't matter. There's no audience. Seriously, there's so few people watching it. Mainly it's the cameramen. And trying to keep them awake is obviously the big, uh, the big trick. Uh, Maddie, seen by 8,685 people. This is the, the exclusive today. Uh, also, as Nick Clegg, 
Uh, features with Nick Ferrari this morning. He'll be uh, in for breakfast. He's leading a cross-party campaign that could delay Brexit by nearly a year. His gang of MPs are demanding a veto in Parliament over the PM's negotiation strategy. Uh, also, Prince Harry, he's very angry. I should imagine after somebody released that picture of him the other day. Did you see it? With all three of them, all got headbands on. It's for his, uh, for his sort of charity. And I thought to myself, it must be your nightmare, mustn't it? Here they go again. They all put headbands on and they think that they're really in touch with, uh, with the people. But he's now blasted the war crimes witch hunt against British troops, telling pals it's a joke. The former attack chopper pilot. Really? Was Harry a chopper pilot? Does he fly, does he fly helicopters? Good God, there must be some helicopters. It must be fair. I wasn't aware that he flew helicopters. I thought he was just a passenger in them. Uh, also, the, uh, the big problem today is uh, Pamela Anderson, who's given scholars at the Oxford University a lecture on pornography. She spoke of how leaked sex tapes had hurt her marriage. Well, don't make them then. I mean, you know, they've all done them. Have you seen the latest one? It's Sam Callahan, the one who had no career whatsoever after the X Factor, the doomed to failure. And he apparently um, took nude videos of himself, which have magically made it onto the internet. And uh, he's obviously doing it for somebody's benefit. Whose? I can't imagine. Uh, celebrities are running scared from the jump. Well, they haven't had any celebrities on there. Who have they had on there who's been a celebrity? Has there been anybody? Let's have a quick look. Tina Hobley. Well, that's different. She was, when she was on there, th- this is why they say people are running scared. She dislocated her elbow. Ooh, God, that sounds awful, doesn't it? Uh, Rebecca Adlington. I mean, she'll turn up anywhere. Fridge, do a 20-minute turn. Beth Tweddle. Oh, God, honestly, it's the same old, same old. Linford Christie. Ben Cohen. Oh, God, you really need some work, don't you? Got to pay for all these children. Sarah Harding. She's, she's sort of... I mean, she's really suffering all this time later. Tom Parker. Mark Francis Vandelli. He's, uh, he broke his ankle. Oh, you could have heard the screams round Chelsea. Uh, Sid Owen. Oh, God, he's not still around, is he? Louise Lytton and Heather Mills. I know a joke about Heather Mills. Not going to tell you what it is, because it was very funny. And uh, so that's why they're actually saying... A, a Channel 4 spokeswoman insisted they had a fantastic line-up wanting to take part. Well, I should imagine there's be loads of desperate people out there. Of course you've got a fantastic line-up. It, it'll be a few people from, uh, from sort of soaps. It'll be a few sort of page three bimbo types who sort of pop up. It'll, it'll, it'll just be basically anybody who hasn't got any work at the moment. Uh, Prince Harry's very cross. Very, very cross. He's hit out at, uh, in private, the treatment of British troops hounded by spurious war crime claims, like, of course, he really knows about these sort of things. And uh, strictly judging fixed claim. Judges on strictly a handicapping favourite Danny Mac because he's got too much dance experience. They all had dance experience. They've got a picture, actually. Oh, dear. He's done it again. Will Young, who parked in a disabled bay. He's not disabled. He shouldn't be in it. Get your car out. This is for people who are disabled. OK. He was spotting, locking his Mercedes 4x4 uh, and going out and about in London. I mean, he could be prosecuted or fined. Came just days after he pulled out of Strictly. He cited personal reasons for his exit. Sources claimed he didn't train hard enough with his partner. Well, I mean, he's... he's, uh, he's uh, I think we'll use the word with Will Young, troubled. That's what people like. If you can't put your finger on it, you go troubled. But he's parking, unfortunately, in a disabled badge. You can quite clearly see it's marked for disabled people. It's not for you. Unless he's magically got himself a disabled badge. He can't have a disabled badge, can he? Could he have a disabled badge? No. I think unlikely. Uh, the... Um, 
This is one here. The Clegg plot would blow PM's plans and thwart voters. Gunpowder clots, they're saying here. A Brexit delay conspiracy. Nick Ferrari will be talking about this in about 20 minutes' time on LB This Morning. And Nick Clegg will be with him, so he'll be able to answer... Uh, any of the curved balls which Nick throws at him. Simple as that. Uh, Sue says, have you seen Honey G? I, I don't... Um, not a big fan of Honey G. I just think the whole thing is fake. I seriously do. I, I really think it's, uh, it's fake. There was a thing here. I was trying to find them. I thought I found them earlier on, and then I lost them again. And it's the thickest family in the country. Uh, they are... They they, uh, they didn't do very well, but, well, money-wise, they didn't do too badly, actually. But they have been listed as the thickest family in the country. So I'm, I'm desperate to bring you that story, because I quite like people who sort of set themselves up. They go on, uh, they go on sort of shows on the television and then show themselves up as being the, you know, right old dodo birds. So have we found them? We think we found them? No, I'm, I'm going to have to... I'm going to find them if it kills me, because I did, um, I did mark the, uh, the paper... And so I've got them here. There's somebody who's, um, oh, a blind man's rebuff at a karaoke bar. You'll have to find that one yourself. Oh, what's that? Oh, is that me? I've, I think I've done something strange to my computer. Wait a minute. Oh, that's better. Every time I, you've only really got to lightly touch the keyboard in here, it goes mad. Absolutely mad, this thing. At 18 minutes to seven. I can't find it. It must be in, which paper would I have found this thing in? Thick Family. It's got to be in the Daily Star, hasn't it? This kind of thing the Daily Star do. Um, although, oh, a lot of people talking about Cheryl Cole today, uh, that she'll be going for marriage number three. I mean, heavens above. Obviously going for a complete set, isn't she, really? Uh, with sort of marriages. You've got to ask the question, you know, first marriage goes a bit pear-shaped, second marriage goes pear-shaped, and so you get the third one as well. She's got to realise by now it's, it's her problem. It's her, but a little bit like, uh, like Katie Price. You know, with, with so many marriages and so many, so many different children under her belt, it's her problem. I can't find this blooming family. This, this is really annoying. Uh, Lily, migrant's father, was an army commander. Uh, Cheryl's going to keep her fortune, apparently. That'll be useful, won't it? That'll be very useful. Uh, also, Nagamanchetti voted off strictly. Of course, the internet is now alive with all sorts of stories about, oh, that's, uh, that's racist. Phil Collins, talking about his dark drinking days. His dark drinking days. Uh, Geldof bandmate sues Bob for royalty millions. 35 years ago, that was. 35 years ago. I don't like Mondays. And uh, the, the bloke who used to wear the pyjamas all the time is uh, suing, claiming that he co-wrote it. How that gets proven, I'll never know. Well, I can't find this blooming story. Uh, I did find the story about, about the water. I did find the story about the large signature, which spells vanity if you're a woman. So, in other words, if you do a big signature with lots of flourishes, because everybody does it, don't they? Every, don't, no? Oh, well, most people. You do practice. When you get your first checkbook, you practice doing your signature. And then they give one of those little debit cards, and you've got to try and fit your really big signature on that silly little strip on the back. I'm not, I've, not, I've looked at it. It doesn't even look right to me. It doesn't even look right to me. But nobody writes checks out anymore, because checks are basically redundant. Basically redundant, because you can do credit transfers, you can do anything now. It's so much easier. Uh, Phil says maybe being troubled has been classified as a disability. Well, I would think it would be a disability, but not not a, it's not a physical disability as such. Um, uh, how you can stop Britain's majestic conquer trees dying out. We're not allowed to play conkers anymore, are we? They don't like you playing conkers because apparently you might damage yourself and, uh, and it, could be, uh, it could be quite dangerous. So kids at school have been forbidden from playing conkers. 
It's a bit of shame, because we used to love it when you smash the other kid's hand to pieces, you know, with those conkers. Everybody used to do the same thing. You'd either bake it in the oven or you'd dip it in vinegar. You'd leave it in vinegar to soak overnight under the misguided misapprehension that that hardened up your conker. You'd go, mine's a tenner. You go, really, I've got a twentier here. They go, do you want to buy my conker or swap it for something else? You go, no, I don't. And you try and drill the hole in the middle of it. That was always a bit dangerous, wasn't it? Because your mother would give you a skewer to do it with. You know, you used to take your hands out sometimes. Very dangerous. And then you put the bit of string through. Oh, I tell you, conkers. What fun you could have with those. Going around banging people on the back of the head. It was all good stuff. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have you company. It's 12 minutes to uh, 7. I was intrigued. Uh, do you remember Lucy Alexander? She used to present the Holmes programme uh, on the television, Under the Hammer, uh, with Martin Roberts. Then they brought in some ex-footballer, Dion Dublin, who was useless. Absolutely useless. I couldn't understand why all of a sudden a programme that had been perfectly presented by two people all of a sudden became three people. Anyway, she then leaves the programme, which was a shame, really. But uh, she's making a rival property show for Channel 4, helping house hunters find dream homes. Filming has started on Best of Both Worlds. And the other programme, I'm not even sure it's still on the television. Uh, David Dickinson's back on your telly shortly. He's been making a programme down under. And the quirky, quirky banter, really. I don't think there's anything quirky about the banter between Mel Gidroich and uh, Sue Perkins. Um, uh, Channel 4 are following the same recipe. Apparently, television British comedian... Is it Richard Aode? Is it Aode? Iodi. He's apparently front-runner. He shot to fame in the hit sitcom Nathan Barley. No, I'm sorry, dear, we're none the wiser on that one. We have no idea who you are. But uh, he's also been on the Big Fat Quiz of the Year. He currently presents the documentary series Travel Man. No, none of those are registering with anybody around here at all. But apparently he's sort of... If he actually gets the gig, he'll be joined by Paul Hollywood. Why would you want to put somebody on that nobody knows? They say former winner Nadia Hussein is out of the running because she's been offered uh, a range of programmes by the BBC, so the BBC will become her home. So, as I've said before, once you're actually in with the BBC, you stay there till you drop dead, or you get found out. Both apply on this programme. Uh, what's the time? Ten to seven. Whether you're a, a landlord, a tenant, or a homeowner, Clive Bull and his expert guests answer your questions every Thursday night from nine on LBC's Property Hour. Right now, you could win an Apple iPhone 6S, an Apple Watch Sport, and a Monster portable battery pack thanks to direct line landlord insurance you can find out more about their de facto five-star rated insurance by searching online for direct line landlord for your chance to win and to download the property hour podcast go to lbc.co.uk uh what have we got now nine minutes to uh, to seven so front page of the daily mail police blaming victims for being burgled because really, I mean, you do see people, they leave their windows open, they leave all sorts of things. Also, Debbie's despair over Paul Daniels' £1.5 million will row. There wasn't that left at the end of the day. <coughs> Excuse me, this is his first son from his first marriage, uh, who, um, who said he wasn't left any money. And he's complaining about it. Like, you know, she should, she should be handing over money to him. And of course, she was married to him for years and years, and she didn't think she should be handing over money. She only ended up with 500,000. She's probably going to have to work, you know, for a living. You can't just... Uh, we, I mean, whether you could retire on 500,000, I've got no idea. Also, front page of The Express today. 
Uh, MPs will try to delay leaving the EU. Clegg and Crony's scorn for voters sparks new fury. Nick Ferrara will be talking to Nick Clegg this morning on breakfast. Jane Seymour looking good. Divorce in days. But Cheryl, is she planning wedding number three? It's a bit embarrassing, isn't it, really? Because it's all Cheryl. Whereas he's supposed to be the man of the family. But quite clearly, she's a little bit more powerful. So, consequently, it doesn't... Uh... Oh, I found the thick family. I finally found the thick family. They've been branded the thickest in Britain after claiming a rectangle had six sides. On a quiz show. They, I mean, it's embarrassing. Here they are, the Davenports, who also believed Labour boss Jeremy Corbyn was leader of the Tories, have gone viral thanks to their flop telly... How embarrassing to be that stupid. You know, they left viewers stunned with their lack of basic knowledge. On BBC One's National Lottery five-star family reunion show, whatever that is, apparently the Manchester family were competing to win a reunion in Thailand with relatives. They thought the Isle of Man was in the Pacific Ocean and the Amazon flowed through South Africa. Oh, God, honestly, how stupid are some people? One viewer said, I don't think I've ever seen a people, uh, a group of people as stupid as these. Another said, this five-star family reunion episode is an absolute shambles. Uh, They don't know anything. Team member Claire Davenport thought Jeremy Corbyn was in charge of the Conservatives. Uh, Joshua went on to say that a rectangle has six sides instead of four. After passing on what uh, county Dover and Tunbridge were located in, Joshua told the show's host, Nick Knowles, it's harder than you think. They still won seven grand in prize money for being stupid. I know how. I've got no idea... How thick, honestly. Mind you, they look a bit thick, poor souls. That's embarrassing, isn't it? But you do see this. You see this all the time. All the time. I was right about the... Sorry? Jeremy Kyle. Oh, I would think they're destined for the Jeremy Kyle show. Well, put it this way, you've sort of got mum. She doesn't look like she's far away from another packet of fags. Uh, father, who obviously hasn't got any clothes to wear. Daughter, who's quite clearly not been eating at the salad bar. And, uh, and the son, for whom the sun will never shine on TV. The Corrie rails at the tram line next to the set. They reckon that the screeching, I think, is going to put people off watching the programme. No, that will add to it. Just build them in. Just go, look, here's a tram going past. Oh, look, there's Minnie Caldwell. Look, Jean Alexander. You can do things like that, can't you? Front page of the Daily Star, they've got Basie's Red. This is Beyonce. Basie's Red. Ched's Razor Terror in Cell. It can't be far away from him selling his story, can it? Or her selling her story. Uh, Hilda, in her own words, is front page of the Mirror today. Cliff, big thumbs up, enjoying his uh, birthday, feeling free. It's t- it's taken its toll. It's taken its toll, but uh, now, finally, in the past. Uh, too much to bear. This is Ben Needham's Mung Kerry. I think the police were wrong to sort of say, oh, you know, we think he's here and uh, prepare yourself for the worst. They've kind of basically said, we know exactly where he is and we're going to be bringing him back to you. I mean, it's just absolutely dreadful. So here she is, collapsing in grief at the site where her son vanished 25 years ago as the police searched for him. Uh, The 43-year-old clung to her mother, Christine, during the visit to the spot where officers fear he was killed by a digger. But they don't know. They don't know. That's the trouble. It's clutching at straws, isn't it, really? Uh, the eye today, it's, it's just got the interesting bit, which is on James O'Brien. You can tell him when you speak to him today. And the Financial Times, oh, look, nice picture of uh, John Kerry waving, greeted by Boris Johnson. He hasn't got the faintest idea where he is, but it doesn't matter, because uh, I quite like Boris Johnson. I think because he's so sort of balmy mad. Pamela Anderson uh, was at the Ecuadorian embassy the other day. Pamela Anderson, uh, God's name, would she be doing at the Ecuadorian embassy? No, she, she's got the, I mean, this is nothing to do with circus animals. She's visiting Julian Assange. Pamela Anderson. 
Am I in the right world here? What, the women who run up and down a beach? And then made that tape which became infamous around the world. She's got a thing about saving animals in circuses now. And, uh, and now she's visiting Julian Assange with a photographer. Standing up. What's that for? Grief. I think Julian Assange has gone. Do you think there's any chance Pammy Anderson can come? I've seen the video. Is there any chance she could pop down? It's the way it obviously works, isn't it? Troops in final battle to liberate uh, Mosul from the Islamic State. And um, meet the Mormon teen taking fashion by storm. So I like stories like that. I'm, I'm big into Mormons at the moment. I quite, quite like that idea. Hammond clashes with Brexiteers on migrants. And artificial sweeteners, say the Times, can reduce fertility. Artificial sweeteners. I've never had artificial sweeteners. People offer them to me. They said, oh, if you don't have sugar. I said, yeah, but I can manage without sugar. I don't, I don't need sugar. I can manage quite well without it. Uh, the, uh, the Daily Telegraph today. Should we all be taking testosterone? Should we all be taking testosterone? Can the hormone keep you feeling younger and stronger? Well, that's a good idea. I mean, if, if, you know, if, if, if it's available, I'll go for it. Habend in cabinet Brexit row. Chakrabarti faces MPs' questions over the timing of peerage. Something about her I don't trust. Don't know what it is. No idea. No idea. There's just something about her. It's, uh, I don't know, not quite right, is it? Not quite right. Is she bluff? Or does she really know about things? Who knows? We'll probably find out. Uh, lock up your homes or put up with theft. That's what the police are saying. And to be honest with you, you know, if you if you don't lock up your home and somebody breaks in, that's your problem. It also invalidates your insurance. So they apparently, Dean says Richard Iodi, Iodi was in the sitcom IT Crowd. Oh, producers heard of that one. Hilarious. He's good. Uh, Dion Dublin's wife owns a posh interior shop in Chelsea, says Pat. Oh, right. Still, still not impressed by, you know, football all of a sudden becoming presenter. Doesn't, not that good footballer either. So there you go. And that's not from me. It's from the producer. I, w- I would never comment on, uh, on football. I don't know enough about it. I really don't. I'm terrible. Uh, finally, The Guardian. Irish leaders fear Brexit will bring disaster. They say that, you know, everything's going to go up in, in price. Alan Partridge says Noel Edmonds is my nemesis. And uh, Jenny Murray who's uh, come back with why I said children should watch porn at school. Is it because I'm a very, very old lady and I've lost my way in the world? I can't think of any other reason. Uh, Johnson's plan for no bomb zone in Syria ends in failure. And that, as they say, ladies and gentlemen, is your lot for early breakfast this morning. Thank you very much indeed for your company. First one of the week. Enjoy the rest of your day. I hope you... Oh, please, God, it's not raining, is it? Tell me it's not raining outside. Oh, thank goodness for that. Yesterday, was it yesterday? I got caught in the rain just, just as I nearly got back to the car. Oh, please not. So today, let's have a nice day and uh, I shall bid you a pleasant Monday. Look forward to your company tomorrow between four and seven, Monday through Friday. Don't forget to download the In Conversation. Really good one, really good one. They're always good, but this one, really good. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download the free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Catch me on Twitter, at Steve Allen Show. Leading Britain's conversation at ten, it's James I'm in the I newspaper O'Brien. But right now, at breakfast, Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.